Hello, Miracles, and welcome back to the Lady Pod. Today we have uh, potentially a very epic uh, episode for you guys. Uh, so we all chose um, different episodes, and we all rewrote the episodes. So um, we're going to start. Uh, first, we're going to tell you guys which episodes we picked, and then we're going to read through the extensive notes and scripts, and uh, potentially, you know, rewriting universe <laughs> paragraphs of uh, of these episodes. Basically, we kind of just took episodes that we uh, had interest in of, of fixing or altering in a way that could have been written better or done better, uh, and then rewriting our own little fan version of it, I guess you could say. It's like Wattpad rewrite. <laughs> you know, to, to make them potentially a little better. Because, you know, the show has bad writing. Usually. Not all the time. Not Usually. all the time. But a good portion of it. Thomas, yeah. we're looking at you. So, which episodes did you guys pick? Alright, I had Ephemeral and Cat Blanc. I chose Origins. And I chose Heart Hunter and Miracle Queen. All right, I'm I'm excited for both of yours. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited, excited for, for both yours. <laughs> oh my god! Okay. All right, so Coco is going first. Okay, before we start though, I think we should plug the Twitter at the beginning of the episode and not the end this Ooh, time. Yes, let's start plugging that. Yeah, that is true. All right, so guys, we we have a Twitter. All right, if you want to talk to us and tell us thoughts, criticisms, ideas, things like that. Just go onto Twitter and shoot us a comment, message, whichever one. I don't, I don't Twitter. That's a, that's a Coco thing. Coco's trying to open the Twitter right now so I can give you all <laughs> the information, but my phone is dying. Oh no! I'm having the like. It's not even like bad luck. It's just like the. It's just like eh, inconvenience. You're just, you're just having a bad day today. Oh no, this is not a bad day. This is an inconvenience day. That's, you, like, I'll tell you about the bad days. <laughs> I don't know if I want to know if today wasn't a bad day. <laughs> that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, that's uh... a series of terribly unfortunate, uh, events. unfortunate events and wonderful comedic timing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Of Coco pulling a marionette and falling down the stairs after tripping out a cat and then right afterwards me messaging you know just out of context because i didn't know what just happened but coco was late to start the recording and i messaged are you alive <laughs> well Directly she was probably after, i went out of the stairs i was i fell right to the bottom of my basement stairs and my phone went ding and i checked it and it was a message saying are you alive and i was like yes no <laughs> i got the wind knocked out of me for a second there i was so scared <laughs> this is also for context and within my household i didn't even share this with you guys i fell down these stairs because this is my uh my father's childhood home that i'm currently in so this is his parents house and when I was a child, I fell down the stairs, as I do. And I, after falling down the stairs, I walked dizzily directly into a metal pole that is holding up the foundation of the house. And my parents brought me to the hospital because I was all kinds of bruised and very messed up. My eyes were so bruised that uh, I, I, as far as they could tell, the, they brought me in and the doctors thought I had leukemia. 
And then, unfortunately for everyone in my household, the only explanation they had is this child must be being abused. That's something. So unfortunately we were investigated, but from my understanding, something made them realize it couldn't possibly be them beating me. And I think it might have been the amount of times I've whacked my head off of a table, fallen down the stairs, fallen off of chairs, couches, all in just one evening. Like just as a baby. So this is this is a recurring theme. I don't trust those stairs. All right. We got we got history. This was a personal endeavor. All right. Why is my Siri on? What is happening right now? Wait a minute. All right. Well, <laughs> in any case, I, 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 we're going to continue on. But Coco will be going first with uh, the rewrite of stories because uh, she has caused me great confusion. <laughs> and I wish for my great confusion to not be here any longer. So, Coco, when you're ready, feel free to begin at any point. All right, let me drink some water and make sure my story is started, and then I shall begin. All right, so my episodes were Ephemeral and Cat Blanc. Well, those, it's so Cat Blanc is first, and then Ephemeral is second. When I really broke these episodes down, and I mentioned it to both of you, uh, that I was just going to combine both of them instead of, like, trying to do separate plots. When I did that, these episodes are actually exactly the same. Well, because, so... Like, almost to a T, and it's kind of scary. Go right ahead. Yeah, because when we were talking about, like, which episodes you wanted to pick, and you weren't sure which one you wanted to do... We were like, well, both of us are doing two-part episodes. You can do both. They may not be two-part episodes, but they're themed around the same thing of what would happen if they found out about each other's identities. Yeah, see, but it's more than that. It's almost two AT, the exact same. Kind of eerily with like, like there's like some slight different changes. All right, elaborate. With, okay, so... Honestly, the only change that's like really like differs is the fact that in Cat Blanc, Adrian chooses to transform in front of Marionette to save her versus Adrian choosing to transform because Marionette has asked him to so they can know each other's identities. They do time stuff. They figure out who each other is. They go out on dates. They start dating. Dad intervenes. Like, it's almost too itchy exactly the same. So breaking it down like that, I was like, okay, these things are actually a lot more similar than I thought they were. And then I was also kind of irritated because these are the only two episodes where they do this. So it has to involve time, apparently, and it has to involve uh, the secret stuff. However, I hated the way that they wrote it. Um, and I'm not saying my writing is better. I'm just saying, like, this was a, like, I fleshed it out. So I know there's room for improvement, and I'm very excited for feedback. But um, let's get into it. I'm excited. So we start with Cat Blanc, and Cat Blanc stays exactly the same in the beginning, honestly. There's really no reason to change it. Uh, Mari Marionette wants to give a gift to Adrian. Um but she's not allowed to see Adrian because Adrian's at, like, a championship late. Uh, she decides to sneak in through his window as Ladybug and leave him a gift. And then she decides, oh, I better sign my name. And then she books it out the window. However, 
just as she's booking it out the window, the door opens. And we see Natalie raise an eyebrow and look at the gift on Adrian's bed. Later, we see Adrian holding the hat, sitting next to a gray box with a bow, clearly from his father. Adrian tells Plague that he loves the hat, but he doesn't feel like it's something his dad would get him, and just assumes Nat got it in his dad's place. We switch over to Ladybug, who's making her rounds without Cat Noir, and the Guardian tells her that she needs to figure out who Cat is, because they need to be able to, like, be a stronger team, and, like, basically, as we've seen, berating her for being a bad Guardian, and he, as he feels. She still asks Luca to help in the same way, but right after Adrian reveals himself, and Marionette's having her moment of, oh my god, what the heck is happening right now, Alia calls her, saying that she saw Mayura sneaking out of Marionette's room and was currently in pursuit of her. So Ladybug's like, all right, I, got, I have to go. Um, I'm so sorry. I like, uh, uh, and Adrian's like, you know what? It's okay. Um, you can, like, we can do this again whenever you're ready. I honestly just feel better knowing that you know who I am. And like, sweet moment. We love that. So sweet. Ladybug goes to talk to Alia. Alia says she saw Mayara go into the aggressed mansion and Marionette freaks out thinking that Mayara is going after Adrian. She sneaks into the, uh, to the aggressed estate and spies Gabriel Agrest tapping the photo, a giant painting of Emily Agrest, and then descending and disappearing, which just throws the suspicions up very high. She goes to check Adrian's window to make sure he's safe and he's sleeping peacefully. She thinks this is sweet at first and then she sees him as Cat Noir, screams, losing her grip, and then falls into a bush. Uh, she mumbles to herself and then you see a tiny camera in the flower bed zoom in. She makes it away and we move on to the next day and she has her dilemma where she's like, oh my God, Cat Noir and Adrian Agresso the same person. What the heck do I do? Luca talks to her again because that is such a great moment. He's too good for this world and we love him. Um, where are we at now? Sorry, I got to move pages. Marionette um, reveals herself just like an ephemeral. Um, hang on, I like... Oh, I wrote it twice. I gotta read this part, what I wrote. Luca talks with her, and being the fully mature badass he is makes her realize she does love all parts of Adrian. Uh, go me. Loving that. Marionette tells the Guardian Cat's identity and then decides to reveal her own to Adrian. Um... And they have that very sweet moment where Adrian's like, I just found out the person I admire the most in the world is also one of my closest friends. Um, they start dating publicly. They go on dates. They share ice cream, go to fashion shows. They even spend some time looking at hamsters in a pet store. Ladybug and Cat Noir seem more in sync than ever. Meanwhile, we see Natalie checking the security footage. Gabby is whining about how he can't seem to get the magic jewelry off some teeny boppers. <laughs> Sorry, that's actually what I wrote. That's um, wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> like, when you said it, I was laughing, but my mic was off, so I'm, like, laughing by myself here. 
As I literally, word for word, Gabby is whining about how he can't seem to get the magic jewelry off of some teeny boppers. When Natalie comes in, she shows him the video she collected of Marionette sneaking around, including the one where she fell. We see the video. Marionette falls, she get, or Ladybug falls, she gets back up, and then she says, nicely done, Marionette, before she yo-yos away. Because if my lady's gonna work, then you bet your fucking ass that this shit will. <laughs> I don't fucking think so, man. Uh-uh. So, uh, Hawk Moth now, or Hawk Moth, Gabby, realizes he can make Marionette break up with his son and then akumatize either him or her after. So he tells Marionette over video chat that he will pull Adrian out of school and never allow him to see his friends again. Marionette has to break up with Adrian. She goes to his house like she does in Cat Blanc and she breaks up with him. And both of them cry. But this time, instead of Adrian asking to go follow her, uh, he goes to his room and Marionette leaves. And Gabby goes to his lair and he's like, ha ha ha, time to akumatize some children who have literally done nothing to me. Um, but then realizes that there are no negative emotions to feed on. And he literally is like, what? Uh, then we cut to Ladybug and Cat Noir meeting up. This, in my lovely imagination, is where we would get one of those lovely little like sketch plans. Of uh, like like in the shows where Marionette's like, okay, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do this, and then we're gonna do this, um, and they explain what went down. Uh, Marionette told Adrian what was going on because she wanted to be honest, and they plotted to go behind his back in Dayton's secret. They're already hiding their identities. What's one more secret? This is where the episode ends. Please okay. give me thoughts. Okay, I do have a question just to clarify. Please do. So at so, because you picked an episode that's from season three and from season four, when where does it take place? Yeah, when does it take place exactly? So, honestly, the way that because of the way that because this is like a two-parter, these are back to back. Um, this can honestly go anywhere within the canon. Um. I'd like uh, like it could be in the earlier seasons or it could be like in this current season. Well, you, um, mentioned, okay. you mentioned yeah. the Guardian. Yes. So but saying as we've mentioned the Guardian and the Luca breakup and all of that, I think that it would make sense if it were to take place during this current season and just basically take the Cat Blanc episode, mix it in with ephemeral and make that a two part mid season um like finale explosion or something basically okay. not a finale of course but like a mid-season what do they call it when you do a big thing in the middle of the season mid-season no something yeah it's a mid-season something but that's basically what would be going down in this this is basically like a big thing um that goes down but as we know it can't stay this way all right so i like the timeline of events, I definitely think it would have to be this, because you have it where Luca talks to Marinette, which Precisely. means that Wishmaker would have had to happen. Exactly, exactly. So, definitely season four-esque. Mm-hmm. I agree. And that's why I think, like, as much as it would be like, oh, yeah, it'd be fun to, like, put it in the earlier season, I don't think it really makes sense. Because, like, how far Luca's come, where Marinette's at, where Adrian's at, with how he's feeling towards his dad and Natalie... 
Um, so I think there's just been like character development from a lot of everybody. So we're definitely more current. Yeah. Okay. I do. Oh. I do like the stealth mission that you had there, where she's just like, "I'm gonna follow this bitch," and then. <laughs> Uh, like her stealth op went well until she decided to not be stealthy anymore by saying who she was in the bush which is honestly something i feel like she would do if we're gonna allow the my lady thing to happen like it right. bugs me very much that if we're gonna have a slip slip up like that be something that reveals the identity then marionette of all people would be the kind of person to do something like that definitely yeah no i could see that more I also like the obvious how come cameras don't pick up anything when Ladybug goes into the it house. Honestly, fucking mind that they don't ha that Gabriel Agreste doesn't have some kind of security system outside of his house. He has an estate. We, it we is established the this earlier. State like it. B blows my mind he uses all kinds of fancy other technology there's no fucking way he doesn't have any and um i do actually explain why cats never caught later so um all right like well, there is a reason for that so it's all it's all good in the hood like at that note let's continue to the next one then all right I'm anything else I, uh, I as far as i got no for me uh, the only thing I wrote was, um, in all caps, I wrote hamsters. <laughs> I, I literally was like, how cute would it be if they were just, like, like on each other's arm at a pet store looking at fucking hamsters? Like, how adorable would that be? Oh, yeah, that's, so, that's It'd be very adorable. Unfortunately, I know the true fact about hamsters. They only live two to three years. Hey. Yeah, they do. Hey. I've had hamsters. <laughs> hey. But we don't talk about hey. that. We don't talk about that. the, the sadness of the short lifespan of hamsters. Speaking of sadness. Oh boy. Part two. <laughs> All right. Part two of episodes I have not named. Um, suspicious of Adrian's behavior, or shall we say lack of being super sad and depressed. Um, Gabriel decides that he's like going to start keeping a closer eye on Adrian. He notices one night. Adrian's light's still on and he hears talking. Oh, hang on, sorry. I swear to God, I tell everybody in this house that I have an episode to record Friday mornings. I I, I do nothing. I do nothing else. And still, we must interrupt me. <laughs> Where was I? Okay. Uh, so he listens at the door. Uh, Gabriel Agrest listens at the door while Adrian's on the phone. Um, he hears Marionette over the phone and Marionette says that she needs to tell him something about Adrian's dad. Something that she's wanted to say for a little while now. Oh, dear God. Hawk Daddy busts in the door and takes the phone telling him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Never, never say that again. <laughs> when next time that you are like three tequilas in, you need to write an entire story and then just send it to me with no editing I would i will have to send you because i do i love to write so i do a lot of writing i'll have to send you like the notes how i start my stories because this is i this was all from notes and then i went in and i was like all right flesh this out flesh this out flesh this out get rid of this get rid of this so that's why there are some lines that are like oh i already did that and that's why there's some lines that say hawk daddy it's only because i have have uh, had that image of him in his, the stupid 
disturbing cat noir three miraculous in like he was three miraculous deep when they were like yeah let's give him this costume in ephemeral and i was personally offended and disgusted so like not having it so for some reason hawk daddy i won't do it again but that's what it says anyway gabriel bursts into the door and he takes the phone telling adrian that he's up too late um adrian goes to bed and then gabby like stomps into his office and then confides in nat that he think adrian and marionette are still dating uh natalie wonders if maybe adrian and cat noir are the same person uh gabriel gets angry and appalled saying that he would know if his own son was cat noir like don't you think i would know in my own house don't you think i've tested him don't you think i've tried to figure it out i'm smarter than that um so nat's like okay and she leaves and gabby goes and he uh, late at night and he looks out the window the moon high in the sky god damn it and a teen boy clad in leather rode a metal stick out of the corner of gabby's estate over the wall (laughs) that's what's going on <laughs> you your descriptions. You can't tell like me. I said, like I said, you know what? We're gonna have a day where we're just gonna sit down with like p- pieces of paper or a laptop, have shots go around, and then start writing stories. Oh God! Because <laughs> dear God, this is entertaining. I need you when we need to play Quiplash. <laughs> oh my god, I love Quiplash. <laughs> I'm so bad at it with people I don't know, but like I I, I love Quiplash. I have like it's... I have like the first six Jackbox parties. Nice. We'll have it's to do so like maybe we'll do like uh in the off season, we'll do like some gaming stuff together for to keep that everybody entertained. Fun. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Teen boy clad in leather um that's where we were uh so basically cat noir like he does this thing where he escapes out the window now the reason we don't see these the security cameras don't catch him is because a gabby doesn't want to like point a camera directly at his son's window that would be too weird uh so instead he's got like little cameras in the garden that look like flowers watching the ground and he's got cameras watching like the air Adrian is a sneaky kid, so he knows where these cameras are, so he's always, like, just on it. He knows exactly where to go. He times it. He's a smart kid. We know this. This has been proven. Marionette had no idea that there were cameras there because she honestly didn't even think about it, so that's why she got caught. Uh, However, currently, Gabby is up late later, much later than uh, originally, like, he was planning on being. Um, so he sees a teenage bo- blonde boy fly out of the corner of his estate and then end up on a building where a another teenager in a red suit with black polka dots meets him and they embrace. And uh, Gabby's jaw drops and he realizes that his son is Cat Noir because that motherfucker totally just came out of that window. <laughs> Like, there's no, and, like, there's no way. Like, there's no way he would not realize. Like, like he can try to rationalize it in his brain, but now what Natalie said is it's getting in his head. The ca- video footage of, of Ladybug admitting to being Marionette. 
the uh, fact that like no one needed to be akumatized. Like he's knows they're sneaking around, and he wouldn't put it past him to be hiding the fact that he's Cat Noir. So now he's ticked. Um, but he needs to put his plan in motion. So we wake up the next day. Marionette wakes up from a call from Adrian saying that he snuck his phone back, but his dad is being really weird. Um, Mary, uh, Marina asks what he means, but before he can answer, she hears a commotion on the other end of the line. Adrian, what's going on? She asks. Hello, ladybug, says a familiar voice. Shadow moth, she cries out. I think your kitty might need some assistance, he says before hanging up. Of course, we're Tiki spots awning it, and she races to the Agresta estate and busts in through Gabby's office window. And nobody is there. There's not a single fucking soul in this house. She searches around the house, even spends like maybe like five minutes looking around Adrian's room, thinking it's cool, and then runs back into the office and then goes to the painting. And she copies what she saw Gabriel do. So she descends into the basement. Um, and she sees Cat Noir standing on the little bridge, uh, looking very confused uh, and standing against uh, Shadow Moth who is standing against this weird cylinder. So everything's really weird right now, and it's not looking good. Um, so she meets up with Kat. She's like, Kat, are you okay? And he's like, I'm fine, but what the heck is going on? And Shadow Muth says, Ladybug, so glad you're here. And he presses a button on the uh, cylinder, which reveals, of course, Emily. And he says, after all, it is a family reunion. And Cat and Ladybug freaking gasp. And they're like, oh, my God. Cat, of course, starts to freak out. And Ladybug tries to calm him down. Cat, she says, Cat, listen to me. I know he's your dad. But, and he says, you knew, and he clutches his head in his hand, starting to freak out even more. She says, I didn't know for sure. Uh, and you, Kat says, turning to Shadow Moth, my own father, you kept my mother from me, he cries out, falling to his knees. Adrian, give me your miraculous, and together we can bring her back, Shadow Moth cries, stepping towards Adrian. No, Adrian screams, holding his head in his hands harder. Harder? <laughs> Um, all of this has been to try to bring her back, my son, Shadow Moth says, taking another step. Just help me get Ladybug's Miraculous and we can be a real family again. Don't listen to him, Cat, Ladybug cries out. Uh, she can't love you. This is a lot of dialogue, I'm sorry. She can't love you if she doesn't want your mother to return, Shadow Moth says. Adrian cries. Please don't. Uh, Shadow Moth releases an Akuma and Adrian tries to fight it, but it's no use. Shadow Moth smiles, believing that Cat will turn on Ladybug, but he turns on Hawk Moth instead. So now, Ladybug has to try to protect Hawk Moth against Cat Noir, who's all akumatized up. Uh, and this would be totally fine if it weren't for the fact that Cat Noir got to Shadow Moth first, ripped off the Miraculous, and destroyed them with his Cataclysm. Uh, I'm assuming here he would get, like, the super cataclysm power um, from Cat Blanc because I feel like that would make sense. So we're destroying the two Miraculouses. Um, yes, I know. Problem. How, how dare I? How dare I do such a thing? I also don't even know if that would technically work. I'm just assuming it would. Um, hang on, sorry. 
Uh, where the hell was I? So he rips off the Miraculous and he destroys the Miraculous and he tosses Hawk Moth aside because he's like, I'm done with you. Um, except he's not done because he's still ticked and he starts like going at him, like yelling at him. Like Adrian's getting out all the stuff he never got to get out before. He's got a lot of feelings and he's fucking sharing them today. Um, Ladybug tries to intervene and uh, he then gets angry at her as well. And they start to fight. Uh, physically, of course, like we're like battling it out while we're arguing. Um, he says he's angry about the lying and she apologizes, trying to talk him down. I also don't know if by destroying the miraculous, that would also destroy the Akuma. So I was thinking the same thing. But then I, if you I, remember I, in Cat Blanc, Hawk Moth was disintegrated. That's with true. The miraculous. That's true. So okay. I think it still holds. Okay, cool. That's that was something I was worried about, but I was like, I feel like it's like still a possibility. So like maybe in this universe is how it works. Um, so I feel like that might be valid. Where the hell was I? Um, oh, so they like basically have like a tiffy fight, and Marionette's able to talk him down and make him realize like. Like, it's, I'm sorry I lied to you. I didn't mean to. Yes, I was trying to protect you, but I, I, I should have talked to you and I should have been more open because this is the current problem Marionette has. And she will do absolutely everything to protect her relationship with Adrian, but nothing to hurt his feelings, which is el problemo. It, it's not a positive trait, precisely. So just as... Uh, we all think that Kat's about to come down now and maybe we can get the Akuma out. Um, he then says that Shadow Moth is right. If she just gives over her miraculous, they can both have it all. I'll have my mother and my lady, he says. Just give me your miraculous. Uh, they battle and she gets the Akuma, of course, which is in the bell, of course. Um, and then she removes it. Uh, I obviously did not feel like writing out a whole action scene, so, like, power of your imagination, people. Um, Kat asks, uh, Kat asks Mari what happened, because he doesn't remember he just got his ass akumatized. He does remember being traumatized. Um, and Gabby groans as he wakes up. Uh, Marionette says that if she loses her lucky charm here, the miracles will be lost, the miraculous... The magic jewelry will be lost, okay? <laughs> I can't do it. Um, and, like, so there's, like, really, like, if they do that, it's not going to instantly repair the miraculous. Um, I forget why. There was a reason uh, that I looked up. I didn't put it in here because I'm an idiot. But there was a reason. Maybe I'll have to hunt for it after. Uh, but if she uses it here, it's not going to repair the miraculous because the lucky charm is, like, although it's creation, it's, like, without the... Not within the span of something she can do. Um, where the hell are we? Hang on. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, Kat tries to apologize, but Marionette says it's her own fault. She says, this is why we can't be together, Adrian. It's not that we can't keep a secret. She says, looking over to Nat helping Gabby stand. It's that those who should protect us can't be bothered. Uh, what do we do? He asks. Uh, I think I can help with that, says Marionette. But... But Marionette's mouth didn't move when this was said. Uh, the camera pans and we see another Marionette coming out of a portal, followed by Buttocks. 
Bunnix brought past Marionette to take the Lucky Charm back to her timeline to reset it. And Bunnix and our current, uh, our like current Marionette that all of this shit has been happening to, figure out specifically where in time they need to go back to. And they decide to go right back to before, um, like in Cat Blanc. So most of this has been Cat Blanc, honestly. Um, she go. She will have to go right back to Cat Blanc and erase her name off the thing, um, because she can basically give Natalie the same excuse. And Natalie is like, "All right, fucking, I have no doubt in my mind that whoever this ladybug person has a huge crush on Adrian." Because uh, her name's not on it anymore. So we have that figured out. Um, Bunnix and our current Mary figure that out. And they go to leave. And when we close the portal, we close the portal on a cat no- on a sad cat noir and a sad ladybug hugging and then kissing to a very fucking confused marionette closing on the portal. <laughs> that girl was like, what? has happened to bring this situation to where we are at right now what is going on but okay um she uses the charm after erasing her name from the letter and then the show continues she also goes and defends the guardian stance uh to not know who cat is and that she's a good guardian because her and bunnix had a conversation where they're like bunnix was like it's not time yet for you guys to do that it like maybe one day if things are different you guys might be able to know each other's identities, but at this point, uh, without telling you more info, I've seen the future. It's not time yet. So she's like, hey, you mind your fucking business, sir. All right. I'm literally 14 years old doing my goddamn best and you have done nothing. Y- you literally like you were not here for any of this. I brought your ass back. OK, so maybe show me a little bit more respect. And he's like, all right. You know what? You're right you're right okay um and they do like their cute little fist bump thing uh she then calls cat noir and they have their little meeting in their little meeting spot and he's like is everything okay and she's like i'm just happy things are back to normal and she also looks at him a lot softer than she did and a little confused because why was she kissing him (laughs) and then the episode ends all right as if the first two episodes weren't already an emotional roller coaster as it were (laughs) (laughs) well first things first the feels are real all right like my heart was pounding this whole time and you're just telling me this like a D &D session yeah so (laughs) yeah no my heart my heart has feels too like, I had to take them in, and I'm like, do I need to make a cup of herbal tea here? Because, dear God, <laughs> my heart is going 90 miles an hour. <laughs> I, I was love... reading it, and I was like, yes, yes, that, then that. <laughs> yes. You, were, you made, like, the ratatouille soup. You know, yeah. just adding the ingredients, just, like, flurrying it around, not even a care in the world of who else is watching. Like, this is going to be perfect. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know it's not like absolutely fantastic. Definitely need, would need to be fleshed out some more, and yeah. like definitely some like uh, uh, time constraint, lore edits. problems. But yeah. like I, as you're going through this and telling me, I'm sitting here going with the same issue that I had. We'll get there, but time is a really crucial thing. There's only so much you can fit into a single episode, mm-hmm. and you it's, don't want it to be too yeah. rushed. And you don't yeah. want it to be too slow. There's like a happy balance between the two. But Precisely. 
I definitely could see where uh, if there are like certain scenes or certain parts that maybe could be like removed but still not affect the uh yeah. storytelling 100%. that would work great i know that there's going to be a million one of those when i tell mine so don't worry about that but th- it's one of those things where when you're in a writing group this is like your pitch and then the writing crew comes in and starts. oh yeah no 100 percent. i used to take classes i didn't write it like a script because i absolutely hate script writing when it's Same. not in like finalized format like if i'm present if i were to present you with something to like keep and mark up i would do that but I'm just reading it to tell you a story like I tell stories. So, like, it just made it easier. But a lot of the, like, the fight scenes are, like, they like I didn't write them because I figured, honestly, they'd be really short. Um, a lot of the explanations I gave really can just be given in, like, a glance, like, animated in a glance. Right. Um, like, establishing shots and stuff like that. Um, So I was trying to keep that in mind. So I know it does sound like a lot, but like, yeah, I like what you did, like where you were describing the episode. But once you got to like the emotional moment, you actually like, like gave us like a sort of script with lines and stuff. I liked that. I thought that a lot of the dialogue in the first episode would probably be kept the same for the most part, um, because, like, honestly, a lot of the dialogue was really good in Catblog and ephemeral, so I really liked a lot of it, and most of the stuff I had issues with was just, like, the smaller plot stuff. I'm not saying, like, this is, like, I want to put this in the show. I'm just saying, like, in my world, like, like, this... If the writers were doing something like this and being a little bit more creative with it, I'd be more apt to, like, be impressed with it. But, like, I had no fucking idea what I was going to do, and this isn't fleshed out and finalized. Once again, not saying it's better than what any of the writers could do, but my confidence is very high considering that I literally did this last night in a drunken stupor. After right. like taking notes the day before because I had been so busy and I needed to be off of the internet for a while. To the fact that you wrote something that has a, a, an emotional impact on both of us. Not like I don't even know how the audience will feel. Let us know on Twitter. Uh, but like had an emotional impact on us just by you telling us your pitch. That alone should be enough to say that you had a better grounding and understanding of not only the characters, but the world and what you were going for in the storyline. Well, like thank you. you. Knew where to go, what length to put it at, where to end it, what conversations, what was going on between it. Like you had, you know, like that, that like how sometimes like with the meme where it's like the string, the red string going across like the board and everything yes. like that. And the person's like this. Yeah. You had that. But it was like an organized version of that. I was 100% doing that. So, but it also shows too that good writing isn't necessarily just based off of one person's ideas. Because technically speaking, you've had influence from the episodes themselves. Absolutely. So like that's the thing is I want to give them credit. Like they like busted butt. But like also... Maybe don't put out your first draft. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right, don't use Annie? it. It's not the take you use, you know? Like, mm. Yeah, Annie, you were going to say something? 
Yeah, so you made a note that this was probably the biggest hole in your story, and that was the whole thing with, like, why would, in that moment, why would the butterfly, the peacock, miraculous be lost if yeah. magical ladybugs right. came and fixed everything? I yeah. would say you would have to come up with a magic system for that. I agree. I agree. So, um, it, it, it would basically boil down to your magic law and how that would work. I think I got tired and I was like, all right, I know I need to have Bunnix and time shit happen, but I don't have a specific reason why. What can I do fast and like just just like make it so it's got to go down. So, right. like that was the closest thing I could figure out. Um honestly, maybe a misfire from his cataclysm and it blew up the moon like it does and like then we've got meteors coming down. It basically it would just be um, like sitting around with the uh the writing group and going through it and roughing it out more. Yeah, but, but like I I like that you guys are like, yeah, that one part is like, eh, we gotta figure right. that out. So I, I I'm like not that like it needs to be like rewritten and revised, but like I like I like hearing like that feedback because I like knowing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I will I, say as time constraints, we should get on to the next one, especially if you want to have your lunch break. Yeah. So, I did realize, though, as we were finishing up your story, I actually have a giant hole in my own story. <laughs> oh, I have, I think I have several, but we'll get there. Don't worry about holes, because when it's a rough draft, holes will happen. This is true. Yeah. That's true, because we all, Coco and I did author. mine within the last couple days, but Chibi, she <laughs> put a lot of time into I took into two theirs. whole weeks and was writing it for two whole weeks. Yeah, we gave ourselves two weeks. And two of us only used two days. <laughs> no, I used a whole week. I Ron Weasley that shit. I finished. <laughs> I almost, I almost texted into the, our little chat, and I like almost was like, I just finished it at two. No, two forty four in the fucking morning. <laughs> I okay, literally I like, that. like a like a late high school assignment all over again. I had anxiety. I was like, I have to finish this. I have to finish this. Oh my god, they're gonna be so disappointed if it's not done. Oh my god. Oh my god. And then I did it, and I was like, cool. <laughs> and then I did not go to bed. So then I woke up late, and then I fell down the stairs, and here we are. So success. Yes. All right. Yes. I I definitely like your version. Uh. A lot better than what we got with the two separate episodes. And oh I God. like, not that I would like replace them wholeheartedly, but I definitely would like to see your version animated against theirs. That's like such a high compliment. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Again, if we, if we got, if we felt something just from hearing you read your rough draft, I think there's yeah. something there. There is definitely I something there. So I love, I, I love how you combined the two of them and made it into one and still was a functional story, even though they were two separate events. That talent is skill. Why, thank you. All right. As I, as much as I can keep with the compliments, we do need to continue on for time. Yeah, yeah, you guys boosted my ego here. <laughs> She's going to go on a Wattpad and be like, I have words from the critics. Start releasing my fanfiction, do the next Fifty Shades of Grey. See, I do have one quick question for you, Coco, just to clarify. Do you have, I'm not asking for anything specific in case you don't want to talk about it, but have you had any experience with fanfiction writing? <laughs> I'll take that as a guess. <laughs> oh god, where's the spot? So, I, okay, I keep that shit private, first of all, all right? <laughs> 
Yeah, that no, is, I don't, that don't is. need to go into details. you tell me that you don't like not. post that to like AO3 under some nope. weird username nope. like Bubblegum Sushi356? Nope, I keep that shit alone and honestly I'm starting to think about maybe getting paid for making it because <laughs> it's fucking good, my dude. I don't have a lot of confidence in shit, but what I tell you, I introduced a whole lot of men and women in high school to a whole different kind of game when it came to arousal. Oh, a whole new world, my friend. Whole new world. Send in long paragraph. And they're like, what the? Why am I excited right now? And I'm like, hey. Because <laughs> I know what the fuck I'm doing. I want to get paid for that shit. However, yes, I have had experience writing fan fiction. Uh, did you guys ever, because I'd never used Wattpad. Uh, AO3, uh, even Tumblr, I didn't put it on there. I used Quotive. I used to use that too. So I can say with like a little bit of experience that Quotive isn't terrible of a platform, but it's not well known. It's not. And that's good. <laughs> I'm going to find, I'm going to look you up now. You will okay, not so find me. You won't. I was so, I was, <laughs> I took, dude, when I was so young, when the internet came out, everybody was like, don't use your name. Don't use your age. Don't use your hobbies. You are a completely different person because strangers will find you and kidnap you. And we were all so fucking traumatized that we were making up fake names and fake genders and fake ages and fake places we were living. I was like looking up details of Colorado. So no <laughs> <laughs> like like strangers would be like i really like your writing where are you from and i'd be like alaska like it like you will not find me i was so secretive i have a tumblr that i like used to blog my feelings on ain't nobody know ain't yeah. nobody know mm. somebody the thought they found it they did not it was great literally like a public diary but yes i did used to write fan fiction um it's not something that i like still do in a sense but i do still read it because i do love reading what other people like other people's takes on universes um i do find that i run into a lot of shit that's just kind of bad and annoying though like i don't miss the one direction uh shit I don't miss like my like my ads for everything just being like, what are Harry and Liam up to in this five page chapter? Find out. And I'm like, I don't want to find out. Thank you, though. Like that was like a huge thing. The Sherlock stuff and like nothing against it. It just really wasn't my thing. Then I found out Then I found out about uh, El then I found out about Alpha versus Omega. The titles sometimes get me. For instance, one of them was Shat's Not Hot, You're All Thirsty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Quick, make her fall in love before she realizes you're an idiot. Like it there like and there's so many people who I feel like they just like can't write their own characters. And I think that's kind of why like maybe it's cause I like I want to be I don't know. Like, I just love writing, so I've always, like, in a way of writing fan fiction, I've just kind of always written, like, little stories that existed in my own little worlds in my head. Drabbles, or something like that. Drabbles. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, that's kind of what I write. So I guess that would be, like, it's like fan fiction, but, like, 
not. There's a, there's a difference between a Drabble and a one-shot. A Drabble has, like, a set amount of, like, words, like, the, mm-hmm. like a minimum amount, and then a one-shot has... It's a longer story, but it's just... There's no more chapters. It's just a yeah. one chunk of story. But I think, um, depending on how long you're writing, it's either a one-shot or a Drabble. I've won uh, awards for writing and debates, um, and, I, like, I'm not trying to be like, I'm so cool. I'm just saying, like, like I do have a history with writing, so, like, it does come from somewhere. I didn't just whip this out of my ass and be like... Experience. Okay. It, yeah, I, I do have experience with it. Which and, is why you're uh, able to write it in a drunken stupor. <laughs> this is 100% true. Like, I am very much able to write in a drunken stupor, which I now find hilarious, and the you fact know, that I'm, like... I'm sorry, I'm, but I'm seeing it now like like the way your hair like take like the haircut you had in high school but put like the glasses that you have now with like a wine glass in your hands while you're sitting on the couch with a little like a little rock lamp the wine you're holding it in your hand like one of those fancy fucks and you have a laptop in front of you and that's what i'm seeing right now is an image of like this aesthetic (laughs) yeah that is precisely i have a tent that i do my writing in um in my house that it's that my comfy cozy space. I also great. video game in there late at night because uh, I need my own space. Uh, but uh, and I've got a wig I'll throw on sometimes just to feel all fine and fancy because I I have a shaved hat just yes. so we're like both all on the same page. Like my hair is shaved. Trying to grow out to like a shaggy deal, but like uh, yeah, I'd be throwing on a wig um, like a psycho and drinking out of a wine glass in a tent and writing on a laptop. There's we're just sending it. My my friend came over, she was like, This is what you do in your free time? And I was like, Yeah. And she was like, dude, you're so fucking cool. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? There's like fucking Christmas lights on my tent. There's stuffed animals all up in it. Like That's I'm awesome. playing Zelda. I'm like in there. And she's like, dude, you're just living it. You're just you've got your own thing going on. And I'm like, yeah, this is my office. What are you talking about? <laughs> I have no privacy. This is my private little office. All right. Um, yes, history. As much as so I love who's your next? Yes, who's next? I'm so excited. Who's next? Uh, it's me. I will give my own context real quick about my experience with writing. Um, I definitely do not do not have expe- too much experience. I know. I said donut. <laughs> I don't have a whole lot of experience with fanfic writing. I have won a writing award in school, in middle school uh and against like several different schools for like writing about the american flag and shit oh that's really cool (laughs) yeah um and so so i have writing cape i have writing experience i'm capable at writing in school my writing pieces were usually one of my strongest like things in english class um i've only ever extensively written one fan fiction and it was based off a dream i had (laughs) Um, that's pretty cool so it was during college it was one day i was hanging out with friends and my boyfriend and we were watching Yu-Gi-Oh gx now if you ha- don't know about Yu-Gi-Oh gx it, uh, it takes place in a school where you learn about the card game and the school is kind of split up into three different groups you have like it's the the lowest level is the is the slither red the middle level is the raw yellow and then the most elite are, like, the obelisk blue. I had a- after watching several episodes of that one day, I had a dream, probably that night, about being in a school like that. But instead of it being for Yu-Gi-Oh!, it was for Pokemon. 
and the three colors were the three Pokemon Go teams. Okay then. All right. And, and so I, I wrote about it. About I did that. write a fan fiction about it because it was like, oh my god, that was such a cool dream. And I wrote it out to remember it, and then it just turned into an extensive uh, thing that I wrote about. All right. I well, still have that saved. But anyway, <laughs> now I'll continue. So, so keep in mind, I'm probably not as experienced. <laughs> now, uh, remind us again which episodes that you had. Yes, so I did Heart Hunter and Miracle Queen, which were the two-part series finale for season three. And right. everything that I put in here was assuming everything that's happened up to this point has happened, so nothing, nothing's different, nothing's changed. And the ultimate right. thing I put into this was, what would have happened if Hawk Moth was smarter? And that's ultimately what this fanfish is going to turn into. <laughs> All right, give us give us everything. Send it. Let's go. Okay, so in my rewrite, most of the dialogue, especially in Heart Hunter, remains the same since I'm not that great at writing dialogue. And I think the interactions that were put between Adrian, Kagami, and Marinette, um, I think that was actually really well done and well written because I mainly wanted to focus on Hoffmott's buildup to Miracle Queen. Da -da -da -da, da -da 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 -da. Okay, my rewrite changes how the fight unfolds, and I wanted to make sure it was written where the show could still go on properly and that season three would not be a series ending. But that being said, um, a big thing that I changed in Heart Hunter is the process of Chloe becoming Miracle Queen. Because I do not think Heart Hunter was necessary at all to make her do this. Because why the fuck would Hawkmoth think that doing something horrible to her parents would sway her to help him? <laughs> Instead, I think he needed to send someone to talk to her who was really, really good with their words. And without hesitation would help Hawkmoth with his task. So at this point, he would know by now that Lila is wrapped around his finger, wrapped around Gabriel's finger and Hawkbot's finger at this point. Because at this point, I didn't think it would really matter if she had to have a negative emotion because it showed a chameleon that she is more than happy to accept an Akuma. Even forcing herself to think about negative thoughts, mainly probably involving Ladybug and maybe even Marinette, like, burning her to make her want to change. So he would, um, he would akumatize her and probably use the anniversary, uh, celebration as an alibi. Because, like, yeah, he'd be on the tablet and stuff, but, like, he'd have this going on. He would, like, send out the akuma, detransform, and then go do this thing. And, um, Volpina would come back, make a return, because we all love Volpina, and I think she needs to show up again. <laughs> and she has this, she's the one that's going to be doing most of the setup. And she, there's no way she would turn it down. So she would turn to Volpina and she would create a new akumatized villain. Um, she could make it potentially that it's her again. Because it would be, again, it would be a really good cover for her. But this villain, it'd be a new villain. And all this villain does is just run really fast and stay as far away from Ladybug and Cat Noir as possible. Because if they touch it, uh, it disappears. And we don't want that. We don't want them touching the illusion. So it's mainly going to be a bait thing. Where they'll eventually show up. They'll try to go after this villain. They can't catch it. They're trying everything they can to catch it. It's too fast. So Ladybug realizes, okay, we're going to need some help. So she messes up. She goes to the merry-go-round. Uh, Myra can follow her. Maybe even on purpose and 
get discovered on purpose so that when Ladybug does lose her, she would think at that point that she wasn't followed. Okay, yeah, so she she goes to the merry-go-round accidentally without transforming, because remember, this is if Hawkmoth was smarter, not Ladybug. Grabs the dragon miraculous, heads off. However, Lupina created an illusion that turned her into a chameleon to basically blend in with the environment so that when Ladybug loses Mayura, she wouldn't realize that someone else was following her, and that was Volpina. So Volpina would learn the Guardian's location instead of Hawkmoth, since he would probably still be doing his thing at the anniversary or whatever. Okay, so Volpina would approach Fu and smack him around, take the Miracle Box, and then reports to Hawkmoth that she found the Guardian and the box. Fu would try to transform into... I forgot what his hero name was when he was the turtle. But he would transform... Uh, Jade Turtle. What? Jade Turtle. Jade Turtle? Okay. So he'd transform, but it's very, very difficult on his body. Like, even more so than we've seen in Season 3. Because they're like, oh no, don't, it's too dangerous. And then he seems to handle himself just fine for some reason. Even though he could transform the other two times he tried. Which is weird to me. So because it's, like, super difficult on his body, Volpita still proceeds to kick his ass. <laughs> and uh, she kind of holds him there until Hawkmoth and my Ma- are available to show up. Hawkmoth tells Volpita to stop, since she has one more job to do, and it doesn't involve the Guardian. She gives Hawkmoth a miracle box, he gives her the Bee Miraculous, and Volpina goes to talk to Chloe. Chloe gets mad because she didn't get the Bee Miraculous again. She watched stuff from afar, like she did did originally, and sees that Ladybug, Cat Noir, and Ryuko are flying by, and um, knowing she didn't get picked again, even after being told that she wasn't going to get one again. But Volpina tells her that Hawkmoth knows who the Dragon Holder is, and yet Ladybug still picks her to help. She'd be like, isn't that funny? Because isn't that the same reason why Ladybug said she couldn't pick you anymore? Which makes Chloe very mad, since Ladybug would at that point be a huge hypocrite. And she accepts the Bee Miraculous, transforms. Hawkmaw tells her, tells Volpina that her job is done, and Volpina leaves, and Dee transforms in an alley somewhere, and prances off happily like nothing ever happened, knowing that Ladybug is probably gonna lose. Ha ha ha. Hawkmoth sends out a new Akuma to Akumatize Chloe, transforming her into Miracle Queen. Um, he does show up in person at this point, since he now has full control of Chloe. He gives her the Miracle Box, and things proceed like the normal episode, in which people get stunned and turned into Miracle Queen's puppets, and the group getting their secret identities exposed. And that ends the Heart Hunter portion. Alright. I like it, Picasso. Yeah, I I like how it's uh, Lila, the you know the liaison going on here, and because that would make sense. Yeah, it would. And all in all honesty, I don't see why he wouldn't use Lila for Volpina even more because technically that's a whole ass miraculous ability without the restrictions of the holder having to only use their power once. She can use it multiple times. See that? And again, it bothers me. That's like, look, I akumatize your parents. Now help me. Like I hate, I hate that. Especially it- since Chloe doesn't really have like a strong connection with her family. Like she cares about her family, but it's not like she knows that Ladybug and Cat Noir could do their thing and her family would be fine. So why does Hawkmoth have to do anything? It's it, it just <sighs> didn't equate to me in that sense. It's like 
What am I getting out of this? Thomas just really, really, really wants Chloe to be the villain. And I totally get that. But he's trying to apply all of the shit to Chloe that Lila just does by existing. Like, Lila doesn't have to have any character growth or character, like, uh, de-escalation or whatever. She just is the way that she is. And people want better for Chloe because we can see Chloe doesn't even realize she's doing anything wrong. Yeah. Lila knows what she's doing is wrong. That's the problem. So I love it. I love that. I I, I love this episode so far. Jocelyn, like my note regarding um, Ladybug being a hypocrite. Yes, 100%, because that is exactly what happened. Because that was the other thing about the show that's really bothered me, is that after season three, when everyone gets exposed, that she still gives them their miraculous. It's, he wants Ladybug to be nice, and, like, not tell Chloe, no, I'm not going to give you the miraculous again, because you're honestly kind of a fucking terrible person, and you don't really deserve to have it. Because Marionette's a nice girl, and she wouldn't do something like that. Yeah, she's a fucking superhero. Like, she has no problem telling Chloe to bug off. So the fact that she's just basically lying to her and then clearly just going to piss her off more, which then she'll get akumatized because she's fast. All right. So I like this one. I'm curious to see how it's going to continue since you have made Hawk Moth a little smarter. Um, yeah. But Oh, he'll get even smarter. I promise. Time constraints. Let's continue on. Okay. So going into the Miracle Queen episode, um... The fight it goes on pretty much as normal as the as the normal one. Like they have to fight the the four miraculous holders that got stunned and they got their miraculous back. But a little bit different. Um, I noticed during the fight and throughout the whole thing, the only miraculous they ever really like take and make sure that's safe before the miracle box gets transferred is the snake miraculous. I'm like, you know what? Once they stop moving, I'd take all of them because you never know if something happened and Chloe was able to take control of them again. Like, if if Pockmont sent out a new Akuma for her or something and then she got control of them again, I'd just take all of them and they all de-transform and you have all four Miraculous and they're safe. Yeah, so the group would still be puppets at that point, but they wouldn't be able to use the Miraculous uh against anyone if miracle queen somehow managed to control them again okay hawk moth disappointed that miracle queen failed comes down snatches the miracle box from her and goes back and joins Meyer and the guardian back on the rooftop where they were painting out chloe uh turns around and bitches at him uh about being the queen miraculous and shit while demanding the box back and while she's turned around ladybug grabs her with her yo-yo pulls her in and snatches the miraculous off her head while also smashing the disco ball that her Akuma thing turned into when got hit with um with King Monkey's power. So she would be uh turned back into Chloe completely and she can de-evilize the Akuma. Hawkmoth doesn't attempt to transform her again, knowing that she won't be as powerful without the miraculous, but forces Ladybug to choose between saving the Guardian and saving the rest of the miraculous that are now in his possession. Ladybug panics, but Fu tells her that she holds all the keys, and she always did, like he says in in the episode, and proceeds to announce that he is passing the role of Guardian to Ladybug. He makes his speech, his arms are out wide open, and nothing happens. Because he's not the fucking Guardian. (laughs) He never officially got the Miracle Box passed to him, so he couldn't pass it to Ladybug. Everyone is, like, confused, 
except for Fu, who starts to panic, and in doing so, the shelter finally breaks, and he's rendered unconscious and detransforms. Hawkmoth laughs he, as he and Mayura approach Fu, when out of nowhere, Deus Ex Machina style, because I couldn't figure out what else to do, the Celestial Guardian shows up and fights off Hawkmoth and Myra. While they're fighting, um, and once Ladybug and Cat Noir get over the shock of what the fuck just happened, they jump up to join the fight, but quickly, Hawkmoth and Myra realize that the fight is a lost cause. However, Hawkmoth has most of the miraculous, and Myra has the tablet with the translated book. So they can still gain several advantages and allow Ladybug to be considerably weaker without several miraculous leaving an opportunity for Hawkmoth to use different akumatized miraculous to defeat Ladybug. After they dip, Ladybug and Cat Noir go check on Fu, who's still unconscious, but he's alive, because I'm not going to kill him, because that's fucked up. They take the turtle miraculous off him so that Waze can rest, because he's uh, tired and, and needs food. Uh, Ladybug then approaches the stranger who helped them, about to thank him for his help, when he suddenly starts yelling about how Fu messed up everything, and resulting in letting so many Miraculous go, including the Miracle Box. He is the Celestial Guardian who has come to reclaim his Miracle Box after Fu stole it. He then proceeds to wipe Fu's memory himself, saying Fu was no longer allowed to know anything about the Miraculous after failing the Guardian time and time again. He then orders Ladybug and Cat Noir to give up all the other Miraculous they have, and they say no. They still need to defeat Hawkmoth and Myra and try to explain to the Celestial Guardian what's going on and why they are holders. Uh, the Celestial Guardian understands but is still very mad. Ladybug also explains that Fu was training her to be a Guardian and he loses it again saying Guardians cannot wear Miraculous and because she knows a lot of the secrets of the Miraculous, now her memory has to be wiped as well. Catawar stands between them, talks back to the Guardian, saying how Ladybug has the capability to be the best Guardian ever, and gushing about all the things that she was able to do with or without Master Fu's help. Celestial Guardian reluctantly gives Ladybug and Catawar a second chance, in hopes of reuniting all the Miraculous once again, and he will continue to observe. However, if she messes up again, her memory will be wiped, and she will no longer be Ladybug. This buildup can lead to a season four where there's added pressure on Marinette's shoulders, worrying about getting the miraculous back and not getting her memory wiped. And the added stress could lead to her lashing out at friends or messing up her relationship that she just started with Luca. Hawk Moth would also have all the info about fixing Peacock at this point and still becoming Shadow Moth, but also having the capability to, to combine Nuru with the other, with the several other miraculous he now possesses. Uh, another small note, is that sandwiched in between it all, after Chloe leaves Super Salty, Lila confronts her and tells her that they have a common goal about taking down Ladybug, and eventually also wanting to take down Marinette. So they become bitch friends by the end of the finale, instead of in a random episode in season 4, just because they didn't want to play soccer, and just so happened to have one minor combo about hating Marinette. Also, I would make it in a season 4, or I would make a season four that Lucanette and Adragami would last more than one fucking episode. Dear God, the end. <laughs> All right. Well, first things first, I gotta say, one of the biggest things that I have learned is when it comes to a character, especially a protagonist, having them have, make a choice is always a good thing. But usually one of the choices is when you can have a character make a good good choice or a bad bad choice meaning that the good good choices is that there's usually no negative but 
whichever one they choose, it's good option for them. A bad, bad choice is usually there's two negatives that they have to weigh out. And you did that between the moment where Ladybug had to choose between Master Fu and the Miraculouses. You gave her a bad, bad choice, which is more dramatic than if it's a good or bad choice. Because you know that if it's a good character in the relation of like lawful in a sense, they're going to choose the good option, not the bad one. But when you have a good character that's supposed to be the hero has to choose between two negatives, it makes it more dramatic because which one are they going to choose? Their master or the miraculouses? So also the uh, the large plot hole that I didn't um, go into because I realized a lot of the stuff I added in was basically if I took the Furious Foo episode and pushed it into the finale with the Guardian. Yeah. And... Um, I com- I watched that episode too for research and I realized the Guardian can track the Miracle Box so he could literally just lead himself straight to Hothmoth's lair since at- in my rendition Hothmoth would have the Miracle Box. <laughs> you know, that is actually so like a big thing, yeah. Yeah, that's the-, the big plot hole that I would need to work around in my rewrite that I didn't realize until we were recording. <laughs> Uh, and the next thing is too is is that they all feared the snake miraculous, but is like the bunny miraculous not in there? You can travel through time, the same as you can. The snake one just rewinds it. The bunny one, you could be like, yeah, I'm going to like 2700 BC. See you later, peace. But like, come thing on. Is he could the thought for the problem is like Bunnix makes a point of like time is a fragile thing and you can't mess with oh, it. Oh, very. If very. he uses that miraculous to be like, I'm gonna try bring Emily back, he could fuck up so much shit. Oh yeah, no, definitely no. That like he would mess a whole timeline up, but I don't think he's worried about that considering that he's trying to make the entire world go into the Matrix by colliding the two most powerful miraculouses together. So hear me out, buddy, miraculous question mark. It's the same shit you're doing. You're just messing up the world in a different timeline. That like the difference between messing up the timeline and going into the matrix is two negatives here. Like Well, I think the biggest thing is um if he used the rabbit miraculous to like get what he wanted there. The thing is it's a whole thing of like you go back in time, you try to do this thing, but you don't know what's gonna become of it at all. Whereas with combining uh ladybug and cat noir you get your wish and you get you know exactly what you're gonna get out of it whereas with the bunny miraculous you do you do not know what's gonna become at all all right all right i like i can see that they uh bunnix explained it saying that if you like intervene with your past self the world can basically implode and they've explained it as uh in the uh, both of these episodes actually explained it and with the wishing uh, you are resetting everything. So the way um, oh, the snake miraculous explains it is uh, imagine yeah. you wrote everything down in, yeah, sass. Imagine you wrote everything down in blue ink, but now you want everything in red ink. You have to erase the blue ink before you can start writing in red ink. So yeah, that's was, what would happen. That was the Matrix uh, reference between oh, the red Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. So yeah, like it, you have to erase everything that's already happened. So it's less of messing up the timeline and completely recreating the universe, which is incredibly unhealthy. And it's basically like doing that cosmic shift thing. Sass can only go back into a point that, like, he already had previously been to. Well, it's not and... just going back. It, it's He completely undoes it. It's a rewind. 
Yeah, no, like 100%. But if he does it without a holder, like shit will explode. If he does it with a holder, that holder has to go back to that time point. And then maybe you change one thing in the past, but then you go forward and there's the butterfly effect. Like time is too difficult. Like it's it's so hard to like do a thing for. And it is. Yeah, this is a magic law conversation for sure. Yeah, but yeah. when it comes to your writing, I definitely was sitting here going, oh, drama, oh, drama. So you definitely are very good with like the twists and the turns and like the dramatic effect. So like I was very pleased and very intrigued while we were listening. Thank yeah. you. And then like you like the surprise plot twists that come out of nowhere too. Yeah. And then even though, like, we've, like, at the very end there where the Celestial, like, G comes in and he's just like, yeah, no, listen to me. I'm lo- Look at me. Look at me. I am decaptain now. The second he comes in and does that, I got the feeling of, do we have a new villain? What's going on here? Like, he's the bad guy now? Didn't yeah, he just save Fu? What's going on? It was, like, a whole, like, even though, like, when he first came in, he was still kind of an asshat. This time now we saw him save someone that's important to us. And then now he's telling us that we're basically going to lose our heroes that we have here. Like he's trying to get rid of them. So it's like, do we hate this guy or or is he a good guy? It was like this whole plot twist of like, we don't know how to feel about this new character all of a sudden. And we're like... And then you have to wait a whole a whole uh, hiatus between seasons to find out. <laughs> exactly. So it left a cliffhanger, which is always good. Cliffhangers are the best. Well, especially for a season finale, there should be some sort of cliffhanger. Cliffhanger. Especially, yeah. But uh, so that yeah, that's that's basically me. But that, with the was... miraculous split, I could also make it as simple as he only takes the monkey, the fox, and the horse. And then he could actually give Lila the fox miraculous eventually. <laughs> like, it could be, I could literally switch it up to be like, oh no, he gets these miraculous instead, and Ladybug still gets the miracle box with most of the other ones. She just can't use uh, Vulpina and King Monkey or whatever it is anymore. Um, Certain ones are just gone. Yeah. You said that you felt like it was a plot hole, but honestly, thinking about it, I don't really think it's a plot hole. I just think it's something that one would think would be easily resolved but you can make it so like the guardian knows where the miracle box is so like maybe he's trying to get it on his own and like i can totally see marionette being like what do you mean you can track the miracle box and him being like well if you were a real guardian you also would be able to track the miracle box but seeing as you're not one like uh, I can 100% see him taking that attitude and having it be a point of contention for Marionette and Cat Noir right. against the Guardian. So, like, I honestly don't really see it as a plot, uh, like a plot hole. I, well, I definitely the whole idea of like he could easily find out who Hawkmoth is just by finding out the Miracle Box's location and then get the Miracle Box back, and then there goes my whole stress of, oh no, Hawkmoth has the Miracle Box. This is true, but by the time we tune in after the hiatus, uh, Natalie could have read the book and realized that the they can track the box and they could have hit it off the estate. Um, At the same time, too, like since he has all the miraculouses, even if the Guardian was to track him, it's like he has all this ability to use multiple powers. Yeah, like it's not like he's going to go it like he's got nothing but maybe some Kung Fu skills and... Hawk, Hawk Daddy's got like all of the, all of the, like all of the power right now. So and then like, hear me out. Technically speaking, 
Now, at this point, you could also debunk whether or not a senti monster could hold a miraculous, because now you could have Peacock make senti monster people, That's put a miraculous true. on them, and now he's got an army. That's true. Yeah. So, like, I don't think it's a plot hole. If anything, I just think there's so many things that you can do with that. Yeah, anyway, I, I think you did a good job. Saying, like, That's what we're saying. Yeah, we're, you did a good job. And I also realized something, too, is like how we're saying, like, yeah, Hawk Moth gets all these miraculouses and blah, blah, blah. And I'm sitting here going, these poor Kwamis. Yeah. <laughs> these poor beings. <laughs> but you did good. I, I honestly think it would be better than how chloe got the demise in the beginning with the whole like yeah i'm just gonna join your side because my parents and it's like what yeah 100 percent. i like my um my use of the term bitch friends (laughs) i loved that that is great because i think i think we could have had a whole season of lila and chloe working together just make marinette even more miserable than she already would be with the stress if you want to at the end of the fucking season and a random moment I, I think uh, if you wanted Chloe to stay the villain, then that, then having them tag team like that would definitely be better. If you wanted Chloe to be a hero, then it would be, unless you wanted her to go kind of like a double agent in a sense, then... Well, I definitely could have gone like three different routes with my rewrite, because I, for a while I was like, what if Hawk Moth was smarter? But what if Ladybug was smarter? And then I could have done one where, what if Chloe didn't turn bad again? Right, there's so many what-if scenarios based off of how you would write it, which is why fanfiction exists. That's where the difference between, like, fan writing and canonical stuff comes in, but having a base foundation of where you want the character to go, Tommy, will also help with how the character acts in the world. Knowing if you wanted Chloe to be, like, this villain then turned hero, or villain that turns hero but then turns back to villain, or that has, like, this certain like change um anyway now we're getting to basically like technically the beginning at the end like how the show did because i did origins i'm gonna say this as we have said it before this is basically like the roughest rough draft that you could possibly think of but better than what we had because that was the first draft like what what we had is like the origins in my mind and then they could have done better when i had wrote this uh there is huge inspiration from an artist on youtube that i got and her name is kali mara uh, c-a-l-l-i-m-a-r-a look her up on youtube she has done these redraw and redesign of marinette ladybug adrian cat noir and she's also recently done chloe and i watched the cat noir video and that one heavily influences some changes that i needed to make to how this story operates because dear gods the amount of plot holes here is my rewrite of origins now they don't need to have the same episode name because that can change too I do like how the running theme is is that every episode is named after the Akuma, but sometimes that doesn't work realistically. Um, Especially the way I write. I like character development and having character interactions and dialogue to me is like the biggest thing. Like when you can have characters talking and interacting with one another and being in an environment together, it shows... Basically, it, it makes them relatable. and. A person think of this not as like the finale origins but 
episode one. Like, forego stormy weather, forego the bubbler, or Mr. Pigeon if you're Coco. But this is like, episode one, you are told that this is on TV, you gotta watch this. Alright? This is how it opens. We open on a temple in the mountains. You're hearing loud bangs and echoing, people yelling and screaming, it's here, it's here, run, it's a monster! As this large green blob-like creature crashes through the walls with a trail of fire in its wake. One person trips and a box they were holding breaks open. Miraculous, shouts the monster as it charges forward. All right, and of course the the, the person is quickly trying to grab the the box and the uh the jewelry that pops out, and the monster's tongue lashes out and grabs the person along with the box and completely swallows them whole. And then you hear you hear a per- like an older man shouting, "Get out quickly!" as he as you see like younger uh individuals running past him as he's taller than the rest of them, and he's like pushing them forward, trying to usher them out. It, uh, and he shouts, "If you have a miraculous, drop it." And of course, people start begin throwing like fabric and jewelry and just like objects all over the place. They're like throwing it everywhere because they they have one. And then one person runs up as as the old man shouts, "Has anyone seen Fu?" And Annie, this is dedicated to you in this one. It's a a, a woman. She comes running up and she says, "No, sir, no one has seen him." And as the monster comes crashing through, shouting for miraculouses. The woman says, run, master, as she runs and transforms. And she's your wolf OC person. Hey! I love that. Uh, he shouts, no, it'll consume you. As, of course, the woman is eventually swallowed by the monster because, you know. She no! Oh my God. <laughs> she didn't put up a fight, but, you know. He looks around to try to find an escape as the monster, fi- like, corners him and a bunch of the other individuals... Uh, from the the temple that's currently on fire as it growls it smiles and looks at them and growls miraculous panning out from the fiery temple is uh, a young boy holding a box and a book and a bag full of scrolls looking down upon the carnage and he's like what have i done as he like begins to cry and a blast goes off from the temple and he keeps running he's like i have to keep them safe i have to he says holding tight to the to the box um the the snowstorm around begins to blow really harshly and then we lose sight of the boy and then all that appears on the screen is just the the words 186 years later open upon marinette sleeping in bed her alarm goes off and she's you know waking up reluctantly like uh, i don't want to get up she walks uh, past her uh, pa- uh walks over to her dresser passing a calendar that as the viewers you will see listing the a, a date that circled saying the first day of school um we see like pajamas being thrown from off screen and then we uh have marinette like tying her hair back in pigtails that's the next thing we see uh she looks in the mirror you know is like does like the full-on okay here's the outfit that i'm wearing kind of in the mirror and then she grabs her bag heads uh and then we cut to sabine and you remember how there were like certain things in like uh chilen that was like interesting as her as a mother that she does for her daughter i figured you know what all right, I get that. Maybe she's prepared for certain things. So why not put that into like a normal everyday episode where she just puts a sponge on the floor? It's like, why are you doing that? There you go. She's putting the sponge on the floor. You're getting a little bit of motherly stuff within the episodes. You don't need an entire episode dedicated to that. Going back to this. She's putting the sponge on the floor. She's grabbing some food, puts it on the table. Marinette makes her way down. You know, says her good mornings, gives her mom a kiss on the cheek. And she's uh, she's like, are you ready for your first day of school? And her's like, I'm ready to like see my friends, but definitely not the homework. 
<laughs> so kind of a, a like the show is also notorious for like use of certain words as kind of like foreshadowing or like little like aha that's uh you can use that in multiple contexts one of the one of the things that i had sabine say was uh you'll do great things this year i'm sure of it kind of giving like a hint to you know being ladybug um i like it as she's uh you know, looks at her phone and she's like, oh no, I'm going to be late. She hits the milk, it spills on, pours onto the sponge. And of course, you know, the mom's like, I got it. Go ahead, go. And she's like, I love you, mom, so much. Uh, Grunting at her own clumsiness. <laughs> Goes down to the bakery, gets a box of macaroons from her dad, you know, gives him a hug and a kiss on the cheek too, and runs off. And that's when we have the moments that, like, we need more of. It's just... Some girls talking together that are not about boys. She meets up with Julica, Rose, and Alex because she shouts at them and waves them down. And they're like, hey, Marinette, how was your summer? And she's like, it's great. Did a lot of designing. Got some new clothes. You know, this is all, like, dialogue stuff that happens, like, really quickly. I know I'm explaining this a lot, but, like... Uh, and, you know, Rose talks in. She's like, I saw the post you made. The dress that you made was absolutely beautiful. She's like, thanks. Alex got, like, skates over the summer. They mentioned that. And it's like, Marinette felt bad that, you know, she didn't get to the skate park at all during the summer because she was so hyper-focused on her projects. Hashtag ADHD. You know, they're just having a normal conversation. Um, you know, they also they also talk to Julia and she talks to, she's like, yeah, I, got, I recorded more music with Rose uh, and my brother. And, you know, it mentions another character that we get to hear about. And she's like, that's awesome. I forgot you had a brother. I'll have to meet him sometime. Blah, 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 Marinette says. <laughs> it was like, yeah, we'll have to plan a jam out day on the Liberty. And it's like, it's, it's establishing that there is more to this world than what, we, what we're seeing. As they're all talking, all, like, this is then... Out of nowhere, just out of my way, losers, snaps Chloe, is like standing in the doorway. How ridiculous, utterly ridiculous, she groans in, anno in, in annoyance. And they all like groan at the same time going, Chloe bourgeois. <laughs> because uh, that, like Alex mentions that they have class with her again. So clearly they've been in the same class with her for many, many years. The bell rings. They're in there. They're in class. Marinette was sitting in the seat, doing the whole seat thing that Chloe kind of had in like the episode, but just a smidge bit different. Because hear me out. If you've dealt with the same bully your entire life, you kind of learn tricks of the trade of how to deal with them. So I understand that Chloe is kind of how do I put this lightly a brat, but like. I feel like Marinette would have some, like, snappy comebacks at this point when it comes to Chloe specifically, because she knows how Chloe works at this point, because if she's dealt with her for years, you would kind of know how this person ticks in a way, right? At least when it comes to their interactions in school and how, I don't know, but, like, just how Chloe acts. So Marinette kind of gives her sass back as, like, you know, she's like, you're in my seat, and she looks around and is like, I don't see your name on it. It's don't know what to tell you. Of course, you know, Chloe finds an excuse and the teacher just is like, do we really need to argue on the first day? Why don't you just go sit next to this student right here? Just it's the first day, please. So Marinette goes to sit next to um, Alia, getting the friendship started again. And she uh, still has like the box of cookies and gives her one and they eat some cookies together. And Alia mentions how like she stands up to the bully like like a hero. Um, and Marinette's like, I'm not a hero. I've just dealt with Chloe for a long time. And then, of course, it goes into that, uh, the Majestia quote, where it's like, uh, fuck, what, uh, the only way for evil to triumph is for good people to do nothing, I think the quote is. I 
Yeah, I think that quote has been used elsewhere, like right. a, like in a similar sense, but that is the quote that Alia uses for, um, what's her name? Majestia. Majestia, Majestia yeah. Marinette doesn't see herself as being, like, that, that hero thing, so she's just like, thanks, I guess. Roll call happens, or, like, the bell rings roll call happens. Chloe slams her hands on the desk, and she's like, you can't start class! Adrian isn't here yet. And everybody's like, what's an Adrian? So the teacher, of course, looks on the roster and doesn't see the name. Chloe sits down and crosses her arms, but she actually looks, like, sad. Like, you can see it in her face at this point. Like, she's not, like, mad, but she kind of just looks really disappointed. And Marinette picks up on that. She's like, huh. She actually looks sad instead of, like, irritated for once. That's new. And then now we get to Adrian at this point. I know I'm, like, explaining it, but I literally wrote this as, like, a fucking fanfic, so I'm trying to go as fast as I can. Adrian's, like, he he's at the, like, getting to the school okay and like natalie is there and she actually stops him from going up the stairs at this point and he she like she's like you know that you can't do this and of course you know adrian's just like he basically gives her the puppy dog eyes and um as he was like she was going to try to say all right well let's go talk to your dad about this she basically says i'll talk with him but then adrian cuts her off with a hug and just runs into the building and she's just like uh all right, all right, um, I guess he's in school now. Unfortunately, that's not how school system works. Uh, at least as far as I'm aware, you have to actually like be on the roster to actually be in the school. But Chloe basically just says, yeah, he's shadowing me today, so he doesn't need to leave. And it kind of shares like a moment between the two of them in the sense of like being friends. Of like, don't worry, I got you. You're staying here. You're not leaving. <laughs> I kind of have it where Chloe doesn't seem like 100% of a bad guy at this point. Like, she is kind of a twat, but like, I have moments where she's showing that she is still a person and has a personality in a way. Where am I? Oh, yeah. And then we get that conversation between Marinette and Alia where they're like, oh, hey, it's the, it's Adrian Agress, the, the fashion model, blah, 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 blah. That thing still happens. Um, but then, hear me out, hear me out. Here's the best part, all right? You remember how you wanted Shadow Moth or Hawk Moth smarter? Hear me out. If he had this book that was a language that he couldn't understand, he had this for years, and he didn't think to try and translate it? The fandom had, like, the freaking pictures of the symbols for, like, what, like, three weeks, and they just, like, they found out how to translate it. So there is no doubt in my mind that he would already translated this entire book. He knows everything. He knows what he needs to know from this book. So in a dimly like lit room, we see the like the silhouette of a man at like a stand, okay? And we see the book. He opens it. It's the like the very same book that we saw in the very beginning that the Temple Boy had. And we can't see who the figure is cuz it's just silhouette. And he basically opens the book to the page that has the holder of the butterfly miraculous as he says in like and opens his hand to show the same exact pin and he explains it's the butterfly miraculous the power of transmission blah 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 blah. he places it on his chest and the little creature appears and then he's like hello i'm nuru the kwame of the butterfly miraculous how may i serve you and you see like this wide smile grin and i'm like the when i think of this like grin on a silhouette i'm thinking of like truth from fulminal alchemist type smile creepy-esque huge smile um you should you shall obey my every command help me achieve my goals kwami's like what what goals are that and is like to find a way to change fate and to do that i will obtain the ladybug and black cat miraculous um and of course nura's like how did you how did you know this he's like well my book of inspiration that'll come up later i will use this power to get what i need uh but the powers of miraculous are not used to be evil blah 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 
And he's like, if you claim me to be evil, then so be it. I'll be the bad guy. You know, he says the transforming words. And as as he transforms, we then switch to another little creature sitting calmly on a pillow and then suddenly becoming alarmed, sensing like a flow of energy that is visualized, like visual representation of like this thread of lightning and flies over to an elderly man sipping tea. And he's like, I felt Nuru's energy has been awakened. Um, and then now we've now we're getting into like the good shit of the episode, right? I know this sounds long. It's mostly dialogue. I'm just trying to set the scene for you guys. <laughs> and you're doing a really good job. Okay. Like I will draw this in comic format to show you that it's not gonna take as long as you think it is. Like the person mentions he's like, this isn't good ways. There are only two miraculouses that can defeat the dark magic of an Akuma. The old man gets up and walks over to the box and he punches in the code opening the, the miracle box that we saw in the beginning. It's been many years since I've opened this, he mentions, as he rubs his hand across the top, revealing a small layer of dust, showing that he hasn't used it in a while. Uh, opening the top, the center, uh, to his um, ways asks, are you sure about this? And he responds with, we need holders, otherwise it won't be long before Nur's new holder gets what he is after, whatever that may be. The school bell rings, and the class is, like, headed to lunch, and, you know, we get, like, dialogue as people are walking. You know, so I live right across the street, and I'm going to go there instead of eating at the school cafeteria. And all he's like, okay, I'll see you there after class, blah, blah, blah. And they're, they're saying this as then, you know, Ivan suddenly bursts into anger with, like, the, you know, the, like, ready to, like, freaking punch Kim. And that's when the, the teacher steps in and is like, go to the principal. That whole scenario. That's still in there. Um, Chloe hisses under her breath. What a brute. She huffs. Um, as, you know, now we get conversation between her and Adrian. It's like, where are you going to eat? And he's like, kind of interested to see what the school offers. You know, it's like uh, when he says that, it sounds like a very spoiled rich kid thing. Because, like, he doesn't know what school food is like. So then we get a comment from the background. Wow, spoiled rich kid much? Huffs a, a kid in the back with a red hat. Ha, 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 ha. It's Nino. After we get, like, the school school thing, um, Adrian does go to the cafeteria, and Chloe goes to her hotel to eat, because that's where she's going to go to eat lunch. Um, we cut back to the dimly lit room, where the silhouette man is there, and then he walks into the light, revealing his villain form. And he goes, ah, I can hear them. The emotions of all the citizens. No one can hide from me. As we get what we should have got in the beginning, from, like, how Hawkmoth senses emotions because if he can sense them when he's not transformed he should be able to sense them while he's transformed right that makes sense right you are right you are correct this has always been a plot hole for me it's always bothered me you're right Ex ah! all right so he's transformed he can sense the emotions and he can hear the voices of the people that he that are having the negative emotions but it's like a spurt of it in a sense it's not like he can, like, sit there and listen to full-on dialogue, but, like, every, like, he could get sentences. It's 100% meant to be a Cerebro reference from the X-Men, and I'm over yeah. it. That, basically. <laughs> it, precisely that. Do go that. on. But do go Thank on. Thank you. Um, so then he, he hears, like, Kim, uh, uh, the, uh, the argument with Kim that Ivan had, basically, and in the sense is like, I'm so done with Kim and his bullying, so he's like, ah! That one! Go get him, my butterfly, basically. Or, like, you know, transforms the Akuma. Ivan is, like, standing outside the, the principal's office as he's just, like, he has the paper in his hand and he just grips it even tighter, just still angry and upset. He doesn't even interact with the principal at this point. 
He's just still upset. But that's when the the Akuma flies into the paper and he's like, Stoneheart, I am Hogmoth. I grant you the powers to stop bullies in their path, but you must do something for me in return. Do we have a deal? Like the voice spoke. And of course, Ivan's like, deal. Sounds great. <laughs> as Ivan is engulfed in darkness, the big building begins to shake as Marinette and others grab hold of the stair railing. They hear a loud bang and stopping as a large rock person appears from upstairs and just goes, Kim! It shouted as then it begins to like hit walls and knock over support beams and go on a complete rampage. Everyone begins to run and scream. The school was collapsing as this rock man continued to like break everything. Um, Marinette points to the exit. Get out now! She hurried people along, trying to like pushing people, ushering them out. Uh, making sure everyone was getting out. All you did the same with the locker rooms and the bathrooms. Uh, but then the square that the uh, school is, like the open area, um, a student got trapped from falling rubble and they were too scared to move. And Marinette saw this and ran to them. As Adrian entered the cafeteria, switching the whole thing around, the whole building shook as he fell over to the floor uh, and fell over. And the floor began to crack as students froze in fear. He acted quickly and was rather like light on his feet as he's like running to them and jumping from over the cracks and everything. And he's like, take my hand, as he shouted, as he helped each student across the large cracks in the floor. Um, Find a way down safely, he shouts as they run out the exit doors. The kid from class, the Nino, uh, sees Adrian helping the others. As Adrian goes to get himself out, uh, the ground gives way and he has to like hold on. Uh, for dear life, basically, uh, when someone grabs his arm and helps pull him up, and it was Nino, you know, just like, just thanks, out of breath, he's like, don't sweat it, dude, let's get out of here. Uh, they both run towards the exit doorway, but it started collapsing, as Nino then pushes Adrian out as the door collapses, trapping him in the room with the floor giving way. Um, the stone monster walks out of the collapsing school as, you know, there are students running by him, running to try and get to safety, and he just yells and screams, Kim! And that's where the episode ends. That's the first episode. Oh my god. So quick, quick notes on that one, because we're running out of time, and I have a lot to cover still. Oh my okay, gosh. We got, we got an hour. But, um, so I had a couple things. Uh, obviously, I approve of you using my OC in your fanfiction. <laughs> <laughs> I like love call it. me call me biased but <laughs> it's just like this little snippet of her being there and i'm like you know what this would have fit we're at the temple might as well so my um my only other note it was um the idea of like after being years of of being harassed by chloe you'd think you'd have a little bit of a snarky attitude about it so um this this hits me a little more personally because I've had to deal with this in high school where I was constantly being bullied and I just let it happen because like early on if I tried to say something about it I'd get shut down like maybe there was was an attempt early on where Marinette tried to stop her but she couldn't do it so then at that point when I just let it happen it felt easier than trying to fight it and that could be where Marin has gotten to at this point, where it's just easier to let this girl have her way, even if it's an inconvenience to me. So, like, I know you think, like, oh, why didn't she have an attitude about it? Because attitude will give you more shit. <laughs> and It'll just... make her a target for Chloe specifically versus, which is what's been happening over the show slowly, because she's been standing up to Chloe, and that has only made Chloe more Frickin' pissed off because then the class will agree with Chloe with uh, Marionette over Chloe. 
I the the main thing that got me is like it's more of like not necessarily causing attitude with attitude, but still having that in a way of standing up for yourself, but still knowing that it doesn't bother Marinette as much unless Chloe gets her way with everything. Like, she was literally just sitting in a seat, and then Chloe was like, no, because of this reason and this reason, that's completely bullshit reason, that doesn't actually apply to the scenario. Logically, Marinette's sitting here going, like, why do we need to do this? I'm just okay, sitting in a so seat. Okay, so I'm going to give you a quick uh, story about this. I'm not going to say names, but um, I had a similar thing happen to me in high school. I was sitting in a booth. We had these small booths, and then we had these bigger tables in our lunchroom. So these booths can only hold, like, four people. Uh, I was at one by myself that day because, like, two of my friends were off doing something else and another friend was sick, yada, yada, yada. I was at this table by myself. And I sat at this table every day. So, like, everyone knew this was where I sat. This is where I am. And then um, two girls came over. They were both in my class. Up until this point, they definitely, I definitely did not see them as, like, my bullies or anything like that. So, um, I wasn't, like, I wasn't in a sense of, like, oh, they're gonna come bully me or whatever. And they're, like, hey, we want your booth. And I said, but I'm sitting here. And I'm, like, well, you can get out. And I'm, like, well, I mean, there's only two of you. Like, if you want to sit down, you can, but I'm not moving. And they kept yelling at me to move. Eventually, the lunch aides had to come in and, like, break us up and told them, like, you can't force her out of a seat, so you need to sit down or walk away. And they chose to walk away. But, with that, I later got threatened because I didn't give them a damn, t- a damn like, chair, even though they could have just sat down on their own in the same spot, and I wouldn't have cared. And for the rest of the day, the lunch aides told, because, of course, uh, every class I had at, uh, until the end of the day, I had with one of the girls, the more aggressive one. Um, and, of course, in those classes, I sat near her. Um, the teachers had to split us up for the rest of that day because she was aggressive toward me. I mean, so, it, to me, it sounds like a her issue. And- it definitely see, was a her issue. See, but- that's the thing. It Okay, so let me, let me, I have been bullied and then I was the bully. And before we're like, like, and it was against the people who were bullying me. And before we're like, yeah, that's you defending yourself. N- no, I, I went out of my way to, to hurt these people socially emotionally sometimes physically i am not proud of how i behaved at all that was not a proper response but it made me realize something and that is the people that stand the ground those are the people that become your target over the people that just passively kind of let it happen yes while it might not be but Bo- well, it might not honestly be bothering Marionette because, like, I really don't think it does. I think you're right in the sense that, like, if 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 she is bothered by it, she should stand up and say something. I think that's why she's aware that she's like a better person than Chloe. It's just so annoying how Chloe always gets whatever she wants, which is change that we've seen. I literally wrote down Marionette is too nice and it doesn't work within the show, but I scratched it out because I realized. That's part of the reason why this whole dynamic works the way it does, because she is willing to forgive, not forget, but forgive and attempt to move on because she's been through it before. Chloe's never been on the opposite end of that. Um, So 
it's it's difficult to say like you would think that like they would feel this way because like I then turned around after bullying got bullied again in high school and I didn't respond and I kept my head down and it wasn't until other people around me started getting bullied just by being associated with me that I finally was like shut the fuck up I I went from being this tiny little timid girl to being like oh I'm sorry, please don't talk to me, to going, you know what? How about you suck on my big fat cock? How about that, hon? How about that one? And these girls were just astounded that I had the gall to speak to them in such a way because no one had ever done that before. And the second I did that, they tried to make it like harder for me until I came around and I embarrassed them in front of a ton of people so they would stop because... I showed them I'm not afraid to show people both of our true colors. Marionette isn't at that point. (laughs) She's not that kind of person. She's nice. She's a good person. Which is part of the reason why Chloe gets away with the shit that she gets away with. So then, hear me out. What if it's then a character development thing where in the beginning... She could be this whole snappy thing towards Chloe, not realizing that she's just becoming Chloe in a sense where she's just causing more problems than good. And then realizes halfway down the line, she's like, wait a minute, what I'm doing to her is no better than what she's doing to me. And that would be an awesome conversation between her and Adrian, who is Chloe's friend. And that's the other note I have. I absolutely love the way you established Adrian and Chloe's relationship in the beginning. because. If Chloe's been this way her entire fucking life, and I get it, Adrian doesn't have any other friends. No, there's he would take being alone over being friends with that kind of person. So, like, there's got to be some reason why he and Chloe are friends. And it makes way much more sense to me that Chloe has some kind of pull with dad or has some kind of pull with her dad where they can talk together and that she's willing to put herself in that position for Adrian. Like, that is sweet, and that establishes Chloe as kind of this two-faced person, which could be put bitchy, but you may, like, it sounds like you're going to make it where, like, Chloe is appealing in this kind of way, which I love. Right. Yeah, I basically, I'm making it, like, conflicting with Chloe. Like, you don't know whether you love her or hate her quite yet. You can't quite tell. Because she seems to have beef with Marinette, but she also seems to have a bond with this Adrian kid that is different than what she has with anybody else. So the other thing that you did I loved, and this is my last note, I believe, uh, is that you established that walk that all the girls do to school. You established that these are old friendships. They've been friends for a while. They're aware of what our summer activities were up to. We're chatting with one another, and it's not about boys. It's about what Mm -hmm. we all got up to. Establishing history. The Liberty is known to everybody. Luca's mentioned. Like, all of the, like, I, because it establishes and tells us without showing us these girls are friends. Instead of, like, adding in a friend to the friend group every other episode and, like, adding it bigger. And I'm like, oh, I didn't realize these were all friends. Like, that mm-hmm. makes that feel more, like, like tight within the universe. And realistic, because I don't know about you, but when I got back to school after summer, I would hit up all my friends at once the second I right? got to that classroom. We'd all be sitting in a circle. 
Precisely. So the, I feel like that's just, but then again, maybe it's just because, you know, we had actual friends in high school and we know how to write right. them. I'm like, maybe Tom is. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Oopsie. Um, All right, but I think so... that's my notes. Yeah. So. Any, yeah, do you have anything fun. else? Nope, All right. you're good. On to episode two. I'm sorry this is so long-winded, but, like, roll with me here. I'm going to try to get this done by two, so that way... I'm rolling. I'm rolling with you. So, open for the second episode. Um, Marinette runs to see the trapped uh, student um, and sees an opening points. She's like, points over there! And she basically, like, it doesn't really do much, but she's, like, trying to stop this, like, beam that's there from, like, falling any more than it is. But the student crawls out. Doesn't really do much of anything besides just, like, slowing it down by minuscule amount. Because, you know, teenage girl trying to hold up a steel beam isn't really going to do anything. Just a so, note. Sorry. Um, yeah. You didn't specify what student this is, right? No, just a random student. What just if this was me led? Maybe. Could be. Too scared to move? And is also involved with the issue with Stoneheart? I think that could be convincing. Yeah, that could be. Alright, so... We'll fill that in there. It's it's Malen. I just I was like, we need a person trapped to do a thing. Throw in a student. Alia then shouts from the like other side. Is like Marinette. All the students down uh are out down here. As the kids are running out the door behind her, um, Marinette begins to run over as more rubble falls in front of her, basically blocking her exit. And she's like, don't worry, I'll take the back e- e- exit. Uh, Marinette shouts as there is an entrance to the basement from the other side of the school. Blah blah blah. Um, she begins to run towards that. On top of the roof of the school, the old man watches, okay? He's just standing there on the roof. He then says, I wish I could aid them, but I am too old for this. He holds the boxes in his hands. Um, it's up to them, he says. Uh, as he then hears a boy yell, uh, hold on, I'll go find help, as Adrian yells to the collapsed doorway as he turns around and runs. But the stairs are out, so he's like, I have to save him. He's looking around panicked. Uh, Marinette enters the basement, sees the door is blocked by large rubble, and so technically she was trapped. Uh, In unison, they both hear a small tap behind them, turning around to see an ornate box on the ground. They pick it up and a light appears from each. Adrian blocks his eyes as then a small being being appears and yawns and stretches. He's like, hi, I'm Plague, the Kwame of the Black Cat. And Adrian's like, whoa, this is super cool. Plague then looks around. He's like, well, doesn't seem we have a lot of time to find food. So here's the basics, kiddo. Cuts to Marinette, who then uh, throws the box as a red Kwame appears. Meanwhile, Marinette screams. She's like, hello, I'm Tiki, the Kwame of the Ladybug Miraculous. (laughs) Marinette hides behind some fallen debris, just like hiding. And she's like, what are you, a bug, a mouse, mouse bug? that whole scenario tiki flies over um she says a kawami i'm not gonna hurt you marriott of course is still running away and she's like go away she's like throwing rocks but of course tiki just dodges them with with grace (laughs) and she's like i can't do that miss i'm here to help you and the city how so marinette asks (laughs) i can give you superpowers the miraculous will give you physical abilities and help in aiding people and stopping the attacks like this uh cheeky gestures to the building and Mary's like, but I'm not a hero. Tiki, of course, is doing her, like, hype-up thing that she normally does, and she's just like, anyone can be a hero, and it's about the will to help others in need, not about powers. This moment alone will prove that. You can be a hero if you so choose, but it's your choice to make. Tiki points to the Miraculous. Marinette takes a moment as she then gets up and grabs the Miraculous. I'll try, but I'm very clumsy and mess things up a lot. Tiki flies up to her. I'm sure you'll do great, miss. Marinette, she smiles at the Kwame. Nice to meet you, Marinette. 
Uh, I know this is sudden, but the sooner you can stop this akumatized person that's causing the destruction, the better. The what now? Mary asks. I'll explain quickly, but first, you must keep your identities a secret. Second, this is a monster. It's a person who's under control of another miraculous holder, the butterfly miraculous. They have the power to give others powers. When they do, the item that the akuma is trapped in is indestructible. So how do I get it out? Mary asks. Cut to Plague and Adrian. Your cataclysm. That's how your power is going to break the object the Akuma is in. You are the uh, you only get one shot. No second use unless you transform back and feed me cheese. Cheese? Adrian asks, putting the ring on. I won't eat anything else. Flag huffs. But do you understand what to do? He asks, and he's like, yeah. Find my partner, find the stone person, and destroy the item the Akuma is in, he says. And Plague is, uh, then says, one more thing. Cut to Tiki. Purify the Akuma. Make sure you do that. And of course, Marinette's like, you can see that she's anxious, but like she's putting on like the earrings. Um, and she's like, what's my power again? Your lucky charm. <laughs> After repeating it three times, probably. It will create the item that you help defeat your opponent facing. Marinette sighs and she's like, this is a lot. This is a lot. The Kwame flies up to her and she's like, I know, Marinette, but you've been chosen. You can do this. Uh, and she's like, I'll, I said I'd try, but I hope I don't mess anything up. <laughs> Pressure. <laughs> Um, to transform, all you need to say is Tiki spots on, and so she does that and transforms, and she's like, okay, time to get to work. Marinette sees a way out, she runs uh, up the stairs, back the way she came in, and she grabbed the yo-yo, and she's like, Tiki said I could use this to get around, but like, she throws it, and then pulls on it, and then wah! launches out of the school. Cut to Adrian, uh, you know, Plague says to transform you, blah blah blah, all this. So he transforms, and he's like, alright, I got I got one thing I need to do first. So he jumps to the other side of the, the school and basically goes through one of the like the windows and crashes into the room with the falling floor where he sees the kid kind of like pressed up against the wall so he basically goes over tells the kid grab my hand kid's like who the who are you and he's like don't worry about it grab my hand let's get out of here the floor is disappearing as we speak he gets the kid outside gets him onto the ground he's like get someplace safe and he goes back up onto the roofs to go and look for this rock man um, uh, unfortunately, here's like what sounds like a mosquito in the distance, and suddenly it gets louder, turns around, is crashed into by this girl, and they both get tied up uh, on a lamppost by the, uh, the yo-yo string. It's like, well, hello to you too, he says all bubbly, and she's like, I'm so sorry. It's that whole clumsy thing that she does is like, uh, I'm a, so he's like, he introduces himself as Cat Noir, and then uh, she's like, I'm clumsy, madly clumsy. And then a blast goes off, and he's like, time to act, as he jumps, uh, Cat Noir jumps away, and she's like, wait for me, stone man, because they don't know his name at this point, because all he shouted is Kim. He starts uh, throwing cars, you know, the police are like, what are we gonna do? They don't know what's going on. Also, they missed the opportunity to make a never-ending story reference. I'm disappointed, so I put it in this time. Kanoar comes down, he's just like, calm down, rock biter. So then, of course, the then he grows in size because he smacked him on the back of the head. And, you know, Kat's like, whoops. And, like, I am very bad at writing action scenes. I'm better at drawing them than writing them. As, you know, uh... Stoneheart basically is like throwing his fists down and trying to basically like squish Cat, but of course he's moving out of the way really fast. Suddenly cuts to Hawkmoth as he's just like a gasp and he's like, "Well, well, well, if isn't it my lucky day?" And you see like the the appearing of like the the symbol that appears around the uh, akumatized person's face when like Hawkmoth is talking, and he's like, "Stoneheart, the thing I need you to do for me in return is to get that cat's miraculous for me. It's his ring." understood he's like yes i am stoneheart he shouts 
you know, I am Groot. <laughs> um, as everybody's like, okay, Stoneheart? She asks herself. Um, uh, Tiki said an object must be on this figure. She speaks to herself and then saw the closed fist and says he must be holding the object. Cat is still dodging the attacks from Stoneheart, um, but it's causing more damage because, you know, he's slamming his stone fist into the ground, so it's making the, the pavement collapse in on itself. And of course, Cat's like dodging, so he's like, could you use some help, clumsy girl? Since she wasn't, she didn't really give him a name. Cut to Ark, uh, cut to Hawk Moth again, so he, and then he's like, so he has a partner. Stoneheart, you will obtain two things for me the cat's ring and his partner's earrings. <laughs> Sorry, you will obtain two things for me. <laughs> yeah! Uh, and then, of course, he's like, understood, Hawkmoth, uh, Stoneheart says. And then Cat's ears will, like, perk up at that, and he's like, Hawkmoth? Um, cut to Clumsy Girl. <laughs> she thought this over, and she's, like, sitting there, and she's like, oh, what do I do, what do I do? <gasps> My power! As she then grabs her yo-yo and shouts Lucky Charm as the, you know, diving suit appears, we're gonna do with all that. And she's like, huh? Nani the fuck? Uh, she looks around the stadium, does, like, the blink thing, you know, that happens in the, the show, and then she's like, Cat Noir, can you lead him to the stadium? She shouted as Cat, like, nods and then begins to, like, you know, taunt him that way. He's like, come on, let's go, we're gonna go on an adventure. <laughs> they lead him to the, the, they lead him there as, um, she looks around, you know, things highlight again, but we also see in the background, very obviously, that, uh, Alia is there with, like, her phone. And she's like recording. She's like, I have it where like there's a bicycle next to her or something. So clearly she got there on a bicycle following them. Stoneheart appears and um, she like does the whole setup that happens in the show with like the, the suit and the, the hose and all that. But um, she actually, instead of uh, her being caught, she gives it to Kat and then he's the one who gets grabbed. Uh, because then when he's released, he then cataclysms the indestructible piece of paper. Um, Alia is the one who turns the tap on still. And, um, you know, the butterfly flies off and Stoneheart transforms back into uh, Ivan. And then uh, Alia, uh, what happens is at, at this point, they're like, yeah, good job. As, you know, Kat says that to uh, the clumsy girl because we haven't gotten her name yet. And then uh, their miraculouses actually blink a white color instead of the normal in and out of like the color that they are so it's a different different color all of a sudden what why why is it doing that oh that's weird uh it must be that thing that we got to do we got to run away before we detransform. you know blah 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 right we're new to this and then of course alia appears um with her phone and she's like oh my gosh two real life superheroes what do we call you and uh of course cat's like i'm cat noir and then clumsy girl's like i'm ladybug <laughs> look at that <laughs> Of course, Ollie is all excited. Oh my gosh, Ladybug and Cat Noir, this is so awesome. Uh, as their miraculous is blank again. So they, they run, uh, Cat takes off. Uh, but then Ladybug turns and sees Ivan. So she like walks up to him and is like, hey, Ivan, can you tell me what happened? He's like, how do you know my name? <laughs> She's like, uh, uh, that girl over there with the phone told us who you were. <laughs> and he's like, I was made a fun of for having a crush on a girl at school, Ivan says. Because uh, the paper is still technically destroyed. Because they haven't reversed the damage yet, so how would she know about what was written on the paper? Magic law. So then, she basically kneels down and says, Bullies look for a reaction. Don't give in to anger, and the bullies will stop bothering you. Ah, take your own advice. <laughs> she smiled. Um, Ivan nods, and LB, like, leaps off. Her miraculous bleeps again, but it actually bleeps differently than before. So she's like, huh. That's, that's different. 
So like it has a different like beeping for whatever reason, different alternate beeps that ex ex is explained later. I promise. I'm just mentioning this to you guys so you're aware of what's going on. <laughs> I'm dumb. Deal with it. The Akuma lands on a small tire and then multiplies. Uh, LB lands on uh, her roof to her house, uh, lands in her bed. Cat jumps into the window of his room as simultaneously they detransform and both Kawami shout, you didn't capture the Akuma. Note, hear me out. Why is it that they're aware of certain things that happen, but not everything that happens? Why is it they only get to play certain amounts of like scenarios? Because they've said like, hey, you've done this or like, you know, you're not supposed to do this with this. So how do they know what's going on when the heroes are transformed sometimes, but not all the time? So I, I said it, fuck it. No, they know what's happening all the time. They, they are just as aware of what's going on as the, the, the two heroes are when they are transformed. And so Adrian's like, what? And then Plague is like, Ladybug needs to capture the Akuma to purify it. And of course he's like, well, how is that my problem? So uh, this is going to go a lot of back and forth. So I'll, I guess I'll just do the, the, that voice thing that I did before. Um, cut to Tiki, and she's like, if you don't, uh, if you don't, it will multiply and turn into copies of the akumatized person, explaining that part. Cut back to Plague, if Stoneheart's feelings get out of whack again and gets akumatized, all the transformed people will be under his control. Of course, Adrian's like, that sounds like an LB issue. Back to Tiki, after purifying, both Cat Noir and you need to hold on to the Lucky Charm and shout Miraculous, and it will reverse the damage caused by the opponent you faced. Your Miraculous will blink white for this remainder. Haha! -ha! Because you need to unite your powers together. So Marinette freaks out. Makes She's sense. like, I, yeah. Marinette freaks out. She's like, I told you I wasn't cut out for this. Um, and she's like, you did wonderful your first try with very little time for explanations. Cut back to flag. Unfortunately, the tutorial is not over yet. We have to get back out there and hope LB can catch the original Akuma before Stoneheart turns back. Adrian nods. On the other note, what kind of cheese do you want? Tiki is then eating a course of macaroon while Marinette is pacing, freaking out. She's like, I'm not a hero. I failed. I just can't. This is way too much. I don't know what's going on. Tiki then responds with, you saved students today from a collapsing building. You defeated a supervillain even though you were unsure and afraid. You persevered through your doubts and fear to save not just one, but all of Paris, not just one person, but all of Paris from being destroyed. Sounds like a hero to me. Tiki smiled. Marinette sighed and looked at her reflection. I'm not a hero. I'm just a normal girl trying her best. <laughs> and that's all we can ask for, Tiki flies up to her. You are doing great, Marinette. In time, you'll see the hero you are. Marinette giggles, and she just like she's like, all right, are you ready? We got to go try to catch this Akuma. So they, they fly out. Uh, she flies out, and it's like, it's still the same day, so the sun is starting to set. So it's getting into what people call the fiendish hour, where like shadows are appearing, but like the sky is like a bright red, and it's love that time of, time of day. It's always so much fun. Um, very dramatic. <laughs> Uh, there are so many people on the streets turned into, like, Stoneheart, and uh, we just see LB catch uh, a, a, an Akuma, and she's, like, huffing and puffing as Cat appears, and he's like, hey, Ladybug, try not to overwork yourself, he smiles, and she's like, I just, I messed up. To error is human, is his response, as he's just not even, like, looking at her, he's just looking up at the sky, and she's just like, Wow. He turns back to her and he's like, you'll fix this, my lady, he says as he nods with a, a slight bow. Um, Ladybug, like, turns towards him and he's like, no, we'll fix this together as a team. She holds out her hand as, uh, like, it's, how do I say this greeting? But it's like, you know how, like, when you're, like, in a team and you're like, yeah, and, like, you grab, like, hands, and, like, yeah, we're going to do this. 
that sort of thing not like a handshake or like something soft it's like yeah we got this like the bro one where like yes. like the arm wrestling like position but yes. you're not arm wrestling that exactly that i had like the hand hugging awkward turtle thing like i was like what are we doing i i'm bad at certain descriptions with certain things <laughs> listen i'm a dumbass <laughs> ivan's growing in anger um cut back to hockey and he's like, ah, there's that anger. Go get him, Ayakuma, as he opens the glass hatch on his staff and the, the butterfly flies off. Um, Chloe then, like, ducks under and snatches the paper out of Ivan's hands. Um, basically, it is just like, oh, how gross. You're trying to write a love poem, uh, Kim says, because he read it because Chloe handed it to him. Uh, he's like, give it back. It's a song. And trying to, like, he's trying to catch Kim because he keeps darting out of the way with the piece of paper in his hand. He finally gets it, um, and of course he cr crunches it back into his hand to recreate the object. And then of course Kim says, "Is what a loser. Maylene would never like a guy like you. As the Akuma then appears and flies into the paper. He's like, hello, Stoneheart, good to see you again, says Hockey. Ready to try again. Kim and Chloe will pay, he growls, as he is then enveloped in the dark magic. As then the, the statues that were are guarded by police begin to move, and they all start walking and... Uh, Kim and Chloe turn in fear as Stoneheart roars with an army appearing behind him. End of that episode. Lots of dialogue. Oh my god, how many episodes did you write? I literally wrote like four fucking episodes because I was on a time crunch. Ah! Oh really? You're on a time crunch? <laughs> you call this a time crunch? Here's the thing. I'm, ex I'm, I'm explaining it based off of how I'm literally written it. But if I was to draw it, you would see a lot of the interactions as a visual thing, not as a descriptive thing. So, like, we're... I don't disagree with you, but you've still separated them into episode format, and there's four of them. <laughs> Tell me about it, but this is the very beginning, too. This is like... Uh, all right, that's true. Up. That's true. So I have another uh, concern about this. So in your version, the only thing that can release the Akuma is the Cataclysm, no matter what? Yep. Okay. Because, like, it's weird because sometimes you'll, like, it's like, oh, it's this, like, thing, and uh, Cat Noir just uses Cataclysm to touch it, and it's dead, and it's fine. But then you have other ones, like, the frickin' Pearl that chameleon turned into that ladybug is able to just split in half with her fingers mm -hmm. i'm like i don't think you can do that with a pearl <laughs> mm -mm. it's like but there's some things that can easily break that shouldn't be easily broken and then other things that you use a cataclysm on that i feel like would take you just smash it on the ground and it would break did see here with the main thing that i was going for was is that it was again the artist that gave me the idea from her video was because it would give Cat more of a purpose. It wouldn't That's be true. like, you're not a sidekick, you have, you two are the same. And then on top of that, they have to come together at the, like, I gave the hint of like, they have to come together at the end to combine their powers to reverse the damage. So they have to be together. They can't, it can't just be Ladybug doing all the work. She can't go and get 30, like, different heroes to replace the missing Cat Noir. It's literally, he has to be there because they can't destroy the object that the Akuma is in without Cat Noir being there. Well, my argument against that is, like, because there's a lot of room for Ladybug to be creative with her solutions. 
But if you make it that the only thing that the Cataclysm can do is destroy the Akuma, I feel like that takes away a lot of the creativity that has been put into the use of Cat Noir's Cataclysm. See, the, so even though it, it is a one-time use, he can still detransform and transform back into it. As that, long as that's kind of annoying, back. though. Right, it is annoying. But it also, even though it is a limitation, it also gives new spotlight for alternative creativity with it because so we've what seen if, what if he seen... got a secondary power though like what ladybug does because like her secondary power is to like because she's the only one that can de-evilize akumas what if cat noir had like a secondary ability where he was the only one that could pull out akumas well that's where the 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 cataclysm comes in basically but like make it like a secondary power and not just use this one power to do this one thing I mean, maybe it, it basically like this is the pitch. And then if we wanted to do something like that, where that sounds like a better idea is to give him a second power along with Ladybug having the two b abilities, basically. We'll have to continue with this, though, because you got 20 minutes. <laughs> right. So like I'm going to try to speed this up now because I, I gave you like the dialogue of things. But basically in this episode, I'm going to sum it up as quick as possible. It's going to sound horrible. Uh, Stoneheart comes back. He has Chloe. Uh, in, like Chloe literally does a, a like a hero act in this beginning part because Stoneheart was going to go grab Kim. But Chloe pushes Kim out of the way and gets grabbed herself instead. And since he has the paper in the other hand, he's just holding Chloe and doesn't go grab the uh grab Kim. And then he of course Kim runs off. Um and he's like, Wait, you get back here. And then instead of grabbing Kim, Kim actually pulls he bumps into Malin uh, and pulls her into the line of the grab. Um and he grabs Malin instead. And uh, then we get into the whole battle situation with Stoneheart and the army and all that stuff. Um, we also get the, the moment where Chloe gets her, what is it called? Fan, fan obsession, fangirl obsession, or a becoming basically Ladybug's fan because she saves her. But have it more of like a moment where she just, it's like everything slows down in her world as all of a sudden she's just caught by Ladybug after being thrown from the uh, tower. And it literally is like, hi, thanks. Yeah, okay. Hashtag Lady Crush. Um, not really, but it's more of just like, all right, you're cool. Thanks for saving me. That was great. Good catch. And then, of course, then we get Hawk Moth and his face pop up and everything uh, like that. And he's like, Citizens of Paris, I'm Hawkmoth. Ladybug and Catnamore have already failed you and will continue to do so, blah, blah, blah. Capture them and give them to me, and I will release the people that have been transformed into Stoneheart. And of course, Ladybug does her speech um, and catches all of the uh, Akuma that are forming Hawkmoth's face. But instead of him screaming no, he just laughs. Evil laugh. Instead of going no, it's more like a ha 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 ha. Like, go ahead. Yeah, you can. You can try and stop me. And then, of course, now we get into the um, Stoneheart and final battle. And uh, she remembers that, like, like Stoneheart's holding Maylen. And she remembers as, a, like, an auditorial flashback to what Ivan said. I was made fun of for having a, girl, uh, a crush on a girl in school. And she's like, oh, it's got to be Maylen, <laughs> Right? Why would he be holding her otherwise? So it does the whole kiss thing and saves the both of them um, with the, the parachute. Um, whole dramatic scene. 
Kat's able to cataclysm the uh, paper again while all of this is happening in midair. Everything's back to back to normal, and they uh, take hold of the parachute slash lucky charm object and shout miraculous, and everything reverses. Uh, all the damage is reversed and everything, and it it like you know they're all staring in awe like they did in the episode. And then of course you know they're like we did it, and then they fist bump for the first time, and they're like pound it. Yay, we get the first one. Um, the Miraculouses start to blink, and he's like, we gotta go. Until we meet again, milady, he says with a bow. Responds back, she's like, until then, farewell. She says with a curtsy as she's, like, pretending to have a dress, is, like, a, playing along with it. And uh, has Malen and Ivan basically talk and figure their, their stuff out. And then she goes back to her room. Uh, so Marinette flies flies back to her room, you know, and is giving Tiki food um but the the main thing is is that as marinette even though she did help with this she's basically giving all the hair like hero heroism heroism what is it called anyway all the hero saving stuff she's like giving most of the credit to cat noir basically because she doesn't see herself as a hero yet she's having struggles with that uh but hear me out next thing that i'm going to change is is that um master foo is actually going to be an actual teacher and a mentor to Ladybug and not what we got in the show, which wasn't exactly a good mentor, I'm going to mind you. Like, Ladybug did most of the shit on her own. He didn't really do much of anything. That's what I said! <laughs> yeah, so like, what the fuck? I'm changing that, and at this point, she's in her room, and um, she asks Tiki, is like, I... Uh, I made a promise that I don't know if I can keep. I, uh, can I really defeat every supervillain that, that spawns? And a voice in the background is like, that's the question, isn't it, Ladybug? Marinette turns and is like, who are you? What do you mean, Ladybug? I'm not her. What are you talking about? How did you get to my house? <laughs> Why are you in my house? Why are you in my house? I want waffle fries. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you know, with her being like, I'm not Ladybug. What are you talking about? Like... Foo smiles, but he's not Foo. He's actually Jade Turtle right now. He's transformed into his uh, superhero uniform. Um, uh, he's like, that's good to hear, but you do not need to uh, fear me. I am the one who gave you the Miraculous, the man says. As then Tiki flies out, and, he, and she's like, Marinette, meet the Guardian of the Miraculous. The man nods, and he goes, you may call me Master Jade. And she's like, so why are you here? Um... How did you get into my house? And she, like, asks, and he points to the window atop her bed. He's like, same as you did. Duh. Obviously, it's unlocked. Yes, your doorbell doesn't seem to be working. Yes, so... I let myself in. <laughs> Hello, Jackie. Uh, I am here to be your teacher. Uh, you may be the holder of the Ladybug Miraculous, but you and Cat Noir have lots to learn yet. Um, and she's like, but don't the suits give us physical abilities we didn't have before? Um, and he's like, very excellent question. One that of many, I'm sure you have. However, I will answer them all in time. So she, he basically says, like, you're going to train with me at this date and time. Be prepared for that. All right. Cool. Um, and he and of course, Marinette's like, but I have shit I got to do. He's like, you need to train with me if you don't and go against what I ask. We'll take back your miraculous. And that promise you made will be broken. Ah! So he's seri uh, ser serious here. He's super serial, bro. All right. And, you know, he's like, 
tells her where to meet up for the weekend. And so then uh, the next thing is, is that he snaps and points to a, a certain spot in the room. And of course she looks, cause that's like the normal thing to do. So she looks and she's like, what? Turns back. He's gone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> little mi- Jedi mind trick there. there. Huh? Huh? Where'd, Where'd you go? go? Where'd you go? Smoke bomb. <laughs> What in the world could that be? What? I don't see anything. So was that? Does that end it for you, or no, 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 no? Okay, on. I didn't think so. This is I'm never going done. to end. No, it's not. <laughs> Kanoar jumps into his window, detransforms, plague lands on the couch. I'm dying of starvation. Carry on without me. As Adrian, you know, lifts the silver platter on on the table, and it's a whole wheel of cheese, basically. Um, you know, the stinky cheese conversation. Kind of an important conversation, even though it's about cheese. If you want to be able to transform, that's a price play. Plague chimes. Adrian rolls his eyes. Well, get used to eating a lot. We've got work to do. And he's like, well, yeah, you've got a whole supervillain to catch. Adrian is has his back turned to Plague, and he's looking at something on his desk. And hear me out, I'm doing this for a reason. But Adrian has a scowl on his face, as then he twists the ring on his finger. He's like, that's the main mission, but there's a side quest we gotta do. And that would be... Plague asks, a little worried. Adrian walks over to the desk and picks up a picture frame. Find my missing mother. Ooh. That's where that episode ends. Well, you have another episode after this? I told you I wrote four fucking episodes. This is a song <laughs> that never ends. Yes, it goes on and on. But I will tell friends. you, I never finished episode four, so we'll end it there. Okay, good, because we're, we're almost out of time. So I did have another note. This was, like, way earlier, but yeah. I forgot to bring it up. So, question, because you watch you watch the French dub, usually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, when they talk about the book, and about how it, it isn't in English, do they say in the French dub that it's in a different language, or do they say it's in code? It's it's the Guardian's language. It's, the special, it, it's a special language that the Guardians use that even the Kiwamis don't know. So, specifically, only Guardians are taught this. It's a cipher. It is a code. Okay, so how, how would Hawkmoth know it then? How would Gabriel learn it? Natalie you, had nothing to the do. Same, <laughs> the same way that most people solve ciphers. You Basically, the way it is, is if you have a cipher, the biggest way to find out is to find its origin of language. And the best part about ciphers is if you can find that, then you find the common uh, syllables or common um, word, like letters that appear so A-E-I-O-U, sometimes Y in English, if you have an English-based cipher, you can use those to find words in a cipher. For instance, a lot of times when it is a vowel, you have doubles of that value, or you have word letters that have specific times where they are double in a certain language. That's easy to learn how to decipher a code. I have solved a hundred ciphers that way. It has worked. Um, and people so, have deciphered the book's codes? Yes. They, like, yep, literally, they like, after that episode aired, a lot of people, like, went in and they were like, we need to figure this out. And since, technically speaking, French people wrote this, what language do you think they used mostly? French. Exactly. So, literally, people deciphered this with, like, French alphabet. And it, it is. Which it doesn't is. make sense, considering it, the miracle box was in Tibet. <laughs> 
Right, but none yeah. of it makes any sense. It is Bad a writing. cultural mixing pot, which is totally fine. But fucking what, mate? Right. Like, so, it, I, in my version here, it would be written in not the French cipher language. It would be written uh, whatever language the monks chose to use at the time to work with the cipher, because you can choose a different language other than your own to make it even more difficult. But... Represent cultures. Don't do it willy nilly. Exactly. Like, I want to learn more about the Kwamis, but, like, I don't trust these. I don't trust these guys to do it. I don't trust them to deliver. Yeah. So I basically am, like, rewriting the entire magic system in a way, in a sense. Making it so there are less plot holes. There might still be plot holes no matter what you do, but at least we're trying to not have them. And then, basically, every single character, if I was to write this back, I would make it where I would go in and write down how the character is, who they are, what they will become, why they become like this, blah, 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 blah. Go into how I basically break down a character so that way when I write them in the story, I know how they're going to act. This is like rough draft, basic idea. Like we were even talking about earlier, how it was like Marinette has like the sass come back to, to Chloe. And then you're like, mm, how about no? And I'm like, well, how about yes, but also how about no? She learns her lesson later on in a sense. So character development? well that's one of those that's one of those uh tropes like it's not a bad trope but it's the whole thing of like the protagonist has a problem has like an everyday problem at the beginning of the episode and then they go through this conflict that mirrors that conflict and because of that they're able to solve it by the end i can see that in the episodes that we have right now i mean that definitely happened in the original origins where uh marinette let chloe get away with everything and it was the whole bad people get a get away with things when good people do nothing or whatever it was and then when ladybug did something everything was fine so then when marinette did something she was able to get her way at the end of the day they're supposed to have themes and sometimes they do but sometimes they are just subplot a and subplot b being mashed together in a terrible mix-up it's kind of like a gamble if you're going to get like, okay, is this going to give us like establishing information and like actual plot and like calling back to what we just saw in the last 15 minutes or in the last episode if it's a two-parter or are we just going to throw characters around willy-nilly and fuck around? Like See, it's the, the such a gamble. Is, though, is, is that originally when the episodes and story was written, again, Thomas wanted it where you could pick up any episode and not have to worry about plot. But you can't this. do that. You cannot right. do that with this show. That's but, not how it fucking works. Right. So I boycotted that idea and said, no, you need to know. So basically the entire time I'm writing this is if you pick up a random fucking episode, you have a shit idea what's going on. You got to watch the first two episodes. Name a TV show where that is like that is something that's possible because I don't really watch SpongeBob. many of these two shows. SpongeBob is a perfect fucking example. OK, anything else? I feel like um, after a certain point, a lot of these TV shows reach a point where you, like, had to have seen, like, by at least season four, so you know where this fucking baby came from, or why there's a dog now, or, like, why the ants in the house. Like, something always happens where, like, you need to have watched a little bit of it yeah. to know everything. This show, you... Uh, <laughs> you need to have watched everything to even know what the hell's going on. Just yeah. because you, okay, you know what it is? You know what it is? Do not say that your show does not need to go in a certain order 
to excuse for your lack of character development. Inexcusable behavior. You cannot use that as a cover for you to not develop your characters because that is exactly what it is. It's them, their way of being like, we don't have to have anybody change or grow because we want everybody to just be able to lock into the show and no one's changed or grown. So you're not going to be like, oh, what the fuck is happening right now? Is the Who writer is equivalent? Of artists hiding the hands so they don't have to draw hands. Yes, exactly. And I get it. But you know what? Maybe you shouldn't be drawing full bodies, home buddy. Like, maybe you should just be sticking to head portraits. And this is exactly that. Like, you can't freaking do it. My inner writer twitches. All right, but hear me out. How do you like the idea of that now that Adrian has superpowers? He's going to go try and find his mom. I love that he has a fucking agency. <laughs> Gosh. The poor kid. The poor kid. I love that you also, not only this, so you've established that he has his own goal outside of what he's got going on at home and outside of being in love with Ladybug. Love that. Mm -hmm. Give the boy his agency. Can't believe we're saying that in this day and age. <laughs> Like God, God, like do do forgive me, but uh, give the boy his agency for crying out loud. Um, and you also established, and I love this. Always bothered me and pissed me right the fuck off. You are over a hundred years old. You have seen war. You have you decimated your t a temple that you were training at, and you decide you're gonna give the two most powerful objects in the world to two teeny boppers who helped you up when you fall down. Mm -hmm. Hell yeah. <laughs> Fucking what? What in the, I, I've fallen out, I can't I get up TV commercial. I actual moment yes. where they showed being heroes. Being heroes, being brave, out, and not just them being like nice teenagers. Like, yeah, they're nice teenagers. I bet if Sabrina was alone, she probably would have helped Master Fu up too. Doesn't mean she needs a fucking miraculous. So I love that you were like, no, let's establish them as heroes outside of them, like just being nice. We've seen that they're nice. Let's show them why they would be good heroes. And it's because and they're both brave and courageous. Go ahead. Right. I also showed that Alia and Nino have potential to be heroes as well. Yes, exactly. I literally wrote down assistant. all four of them. So I like I was like establishing the four as heroes, not just nice kids. Like you made sure like even Nino was there. Even Nino had development where he was like, haha, it's not like little rich kid. And then he's like, Oh shit, dude, thanks for helping. Like, let's get you up out of here. Like that is character development in a two episode like why is it so <laughs> difficult? <laughs> You know, the whole thing with, like, giving the miraculous to teenagers, it's kind of similar to training a dog when it's a puppy versus training a dog when it's an adult. Because be the, whole, the whole thing with, like, if you train it as an adult, it will, um, it's easier because it's, like, it doesn't have that puppy energy and it'll be more focused. However, if you train it as it's a puppy, although it would take a little longer, you would overall get a better result because the puppy can take in the information better than an adult dog can. It's also so, more loyal to you. Yeah. So it's like giving giving them to teenagers gives them the potential to be better adults once they grow into it. Okay. But I also, I don't know if you remember, but I also said that he had some scrolls with him. He took some scrolls of the teachings of how to become a guardian. Okay. So he is technically a guardian. He just hasn't gone through the right to be a guardian. 
in a sense. So there's like a special like ceremony that they go through, but you have to have like the grandmaster basically standing there and say, "You are now a guardian of the miraculouses." He he doesn't have he didn't have that, but everything else leading up to that point, he's studied and trained for now because he didn't want to recreate the mistake that he did that day. Because again, technically, he wasn't a guardian yet. He was just training to be one. Yep. And now he's trying going actually going to be a fucking mentor to Ladybug and Cat Noir. They're going to be transformed when they're training with him, but the both of them are going to know. Like I like in the technically what I wrote for the next episode is is that uh, Master Jade slash Jade Turtle shows up in Adrian's room and he's just like, yeah, you're going to meet me at the same location. And then we go back to school after that, but I, it, we're not gonna, I'm not gonna continue on. I that. would have loved to see training exercises with Cat Noir, Ladybug, mm-hmm. and uh, Master Jade. It'd be kind of like Power Rangers. Like it'd be like Power Rangers and Karate Kid rolled into one, and they oh, would yeah. be hilarious, and they could totally do it. Why don't they do these things? I also okay, hear me what out the though. Hell? Like, I was also adding my own little personal bias too. Like if I had the like moment where they go to the training, which would have been technically the weekend, I would throw in a little bit of like Naruto-esque moment where he's like, don't eat food or you're going to throw up. We're going to do some rigorous training. So they don't eat food. And what happens is, is he sits them down at a table with a nice big steaming bowl of ramen. And he says, you're not allowed to eat this until I tell you to. And then he pretends to get a phone call and he's like, I'll be right back. Don't eat that food. Disappears, quote unquote. And of course, now he has to test on whether or not they actually can resist the temptation. I had a thought and then I lost it. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I listened and I love it. And that like, that's great. I'm just, I also have a thought. So if you have yours first, go right ahead. I've... No, I lost it. Go ahead. Okay, I this will probably this will be my final thing overall. And honestly, okay, so first let's get the like I loved all of your writing. I loved your like all of your ideas. I love how you established it. Honestly, I would like this way better than the origins we got because it just I like draw it so bad. Like so, I can't. If you do, do let me know because I'd love to see it. Um, I do want to address something with the show and writing this and listening to like our versions of it and like what we've rewritten has really just like just ran it home for me one of uh thomas's shrugs like heroes is stanley and that's great we love stanley one of the reasons we love stanley is stanley doesn't like it when children are superheroes he thinks it's dumb and dangerous he has shat on the creators of the batman and robic comics for so long because he thinks the dynamic of and he has literally been quoted as saying Yeah, I think it's pretty fucking weird that a grown man runs around with a teen boy in tights and spandex in the middle of the night. Uh, Do think that's strange. Not a huge fan of that. I will never be writing anything like that in my comics. So it's just so strange to me that this show is about two 14-year-old teenagers. Two 14-year-olds. Like, Spider-Man is one of the youngest popular uh, superheroes. In the comics, he was bitten at 17. Like, that's quite the difference from a 14-year-old. Uh, in the MCU, he's, uh, I think the actor was, no, yeah, no, I think he was 15 at the time, but that was the actor. I don't know for sure how old he was in the movies. Also, still I think 15, been 15 sounds right. Yeah, also might have still been 15, but 
that's also like we have established the maturity of this kid by that point like he might be a little nerdy and goofy but like what about miles he can handle it don't even get me started on him i love miles morales so fucking much holy fucking shit i cannot wait for more i cannot wait for more give me all of the parts like i'm slamming my bank account on the table saying (laughs) give me take all my money like i absolutely freaking love it and i never knew about miles morales growing up and then like it was introduced to me and i was like this kid is the most badass spider-man why are we debating it this kid is so freaking cool and like the movie made me cry blowing up all over the place love it love it love it but that's the thing is it does so much more to the character than just establish them as like a nice teenager who gets superpowers because it's not that freaking simple and then thomas goes and makes a show about teenagers who get superpowers and then has the gall to continue to keep them as teenagers when the people he marketed this show to in the first place are growing up and in the second place, no, <laughs> is it this like it's and we've talked about it before and it still bugs me. Uh, like uh, if any of us like had kids or like have like future like fret like family members, spouses, like babysitting, whatever, if we would be allowing children to watch the show. Probably fucking not, because I just, I don't think it's, like, I'd rather have, like, I grew up on war movies, and I still would rather have my child watch Black Hawk Down than I would. No, no, you know, you know what's more sad is, is that I have read better written fan fiction that are even more wholesome and better written. Uh-huh. I would rather have the kid read the fan fiction yeah. than watch the actual show. And you know and, that's sad. You know that is sad. And that's what really I think makes me so nervous and uncomfortable whenever we're like, hey, how come you can't age these kids up or put them in a more mature situation? And the response is always, oh, well, it starts to run with a theme that isn't really appropriate with this show. There's a teen boy running around, clad in leather. Spandex. Thomas. Like I, it, uh, like I love this show. I love this, and just rewriting this has just made me realize, like that, like I want to read some of this fan fiction. I want to find some of this shit because, like, good. I, I, I will good send Lord. links. Why are we using our first draft? And with <laughs> with with the finale of this season coming out soon, I. I'm so stressed. <laughs> I will say that with this, we should get to the end here because Annie's got to go. But I enjoyed this rewriting the episodes. And even though this was like all of our rough drafts, I really do want to draw the one that I created for the Origins one here. So I definitely like at some point want to get you guys to help me edit out some of the uh, I love it. the bullshittery content. All right. Can do. So, Plus, yeah. this is something we could easily do again in the future. Like, yeah. If oh, yeah. We, we want to rewrite another episode. Definitely. Yeah, we'd like to thank you all for listening to our fan fictions. <laughs> uh, reminder yeah. again we do have a Twitter for the Lady Pod. Is it Lady Pod Pals? Is that it? Yep, at the Lady Pod Pals. Yep. And do we have any other uh, forms of social media? Uh, not specifically dedicated to the podcast. 
but I mean, I post about it on my Instagram and my story when we get a new episode. So that's about it. Uh, Chibi illustrations. We can put it on the Twitter. Um, all right. Sounds good. All right. And with that, we'd like to thank you all for listening to today's podcast. Yeah. We'll see you, you next time. Goodbye. See ya. Goodbye.